Dan, there are going to be a handful of NFL players suspended by the end of this week, including the Colts cornerback Isaiah Rodgers, who's going to face a year-long suspension for his violations of the league's gambling policy. Now, there will be other players. I don't expect any big names in the bunch, but it sounds like there will be a few players who get season-long suspensions. I think there'll be another one that gets a multi-game suspension, but the league is taking a very strong stance and making it very clear that players are not allowed to bet on their own teams. They're not allowed to bet from their own training facilities. We've already seen players suspended this offseason, and we're going to see more before the week is through, multiple suspensions coming later this week. That was ESPN's Adam Schefter yesterday talking about the Isaiah Rogers situation, which we'll get into plenty this morning. Um, I have a couple of questions about that, actually, that in terms of the reporting of that, that I think are odds the wrong word, but we will dive further into that on a Thursday morning. Good morning to you here from the drivehubler.com studio. Jake Corey along with Mark Dykton, Sam Fritz here as well. And a couple of things, Mark, before we get into, or one thing before we get into the show. Um, overnight, got up this morning. Actually, I was aware of this just before uh, I went to bed but simply wanted to pass along obviously it would be a combination of arrogant and naive for me to think that the family of Aaron Smith or the friends of Aaron Smith would be listening this morning but Indiana State Trooper Aaron Smith who was fatally injured last night while placing stop sticks on Ronald Reagan Parkway during a police vehicle pursuit was struck presumably by the car that was fleeing the police and did not survive his injuries last night. Uh, Smith, again, a second. Uh, he is the second Indiana State Police trooper to be killed in the line of duty this year. James Bailey died after being struck by a car in early March while assisting someone in Fort Wayne. Uh, but obviously, for those in law enforcement, I know that that's a very close community. For those within the Indiana State Police Department, Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department, Marion County Sheriff's Department, all that feel the fraternal feeling, and as well, it goes without saying, to the family, the friends, and the co-workers, colleagues of Aaron Smith, certain condolences and a debt of gratitude from the state of Indiana on the service that unfortunately led to his fatality yesterday. I don't know if that pursuit had anything to do with, I, I last night, uh, stopped at the grocery store on the north side of Indianapolis and right across the street at a gas station there was a fatal shooting. And the shooter of that, that was around 7.30, was they, they were in pursuit of that alleged shooter. I don't know if the two are related or not, but uh, sad situation last night. Mark, this morning on the way in, kind of the you know, third verse, same as the second, it's still hazy out with the smoke. You and I, for the obvious reasons, I mean, we want everybody to, to be able to be able to enjoy from a health standpoint – cleaner air in, in Indianapolis. It's obviously not really at the fault of anybody, all from the wildfire smoke in Canada now for the third straight day. There was thought that it would be kind of dissipated by today. Rain later today is going to factor into that. But in terms of the social calendar or the entertainment scheduling, uh, you and I both have something tonight, I think, that mm -hmm. comes into play that, that you wonder what happens, right? Yeah, not ideal. I mean, uh, you've got maybe Noel Gallagher at Ruoff, but he canceled, you said, yesterday's performance in milwaukee he for the same in, reasons correct he was in wisconsin yesterday and they canceled that due to the air quality 
Yeah, so that's not looking great for what we've got, not only with the air quality, but also with the thunderstorms in the forecast. And then I have tickets to the first uh, Savannah Bananas game. They are coming to Indianapolis. They're already here. They're at Victory Field. They're supposed to be playing today and tomorrow. Uh, I'm a bit concerned about that one as well, not only with the air quality, but also the storms in the area. So haven't heard anything yet officially for either of those events, but uh, for those going out there, I know that people are going to be checking Twitter and all that stuff to see not only with the uh, with the air quality, but also with the storms in the area, how that might affect both events going on tonight. Uh, last night in Major League Baseball, also happening late, just before, um, as I was getting into bed, essentially, but I have always said this. I, I I noticed this last night. Something happened last night that has only happened, to my knowledge, I believe this is correct. Going into yesterday, there is something in Major League Baseball that had only happened 23 times. 23 total times in the history of Major League Baseball. Now, I don't know. I'm sure someone out there knows. Scotty probably knows. How many, like, let's say from 1893, that was the number we threw out yesterday. Mm -hmm. From 1893 to present, 130 years, right, if my math is correct? Yeah. How many games, how many Major League Baseball games have been played? If you had to guess. (sighs) Good Lord. I mean, there's 162 for each team. I mean, also we figured out what it was, 129 back in the 1890s or whatever. Yeah, I'm looking up. I mean, I can't even calculate that math, but we got to be closing in on like a million, right? I've got, and this is according to BaseballReference.com, it, it only gives me since 1876. Oh, okay. darn it. It says 217,210 games played. Jesus, so I was okay. way up. That's how bad my math is. Well, you got to factor in, even in 100 years, it's only about 100 games per season. What so that that would only go into the the tens of thousands, if even if you multiply it, is what I'm getting at. Well, it's more than a hundred in a season. No, I know. I'm, I'm just saying why it's far short of a million as to what Mark predicted. Well, I only thought of like 162 times 30 teams time, you know, for 30 different teams plus, you know, however so many years of 217,000. Is. is that what we said? 217,000. Yes, right? 217,210. Okay, so of that number. 23 times something had been done. Now, I, I, I that that is literally one one-hundred-thousandth of a percentage, okay? All time. To see a pitcher throw a perfect game. Now, I cannot fathom in my brain. There are a lot of things that I can't grasp in my brain. I can't grasp exactly how many grains of sand are on the beaches. I can't grasp how many stars are in the solar system. And I can't grasp how anybody would go to a Major League Baseball game in the middle of June. I kind of get it if it's September, there's two games left, and your team's one game out, okay? Or if you're in the playoffs, we'll throw that out. But in a regular season game in June, and notably, if you're a fan of the Oakland Athletics, who've won 12 games, in no way, shape, or form can I possibly fathom in the pea-sized brain that I have, there's nothing that I could wrap around that would make sense to me that anyone would go to a game to watch their team play and 
realizing that a perfect game is at stake and that they are about to potentially see something that has happened one one hundredth of a percentage of baseball games played lifetime, mm-hmm. that you would still be rooting for your team to break up the perfect game. After For me, it would be after like six and a half innings. If you're going into the final three frames knowing that the guy for the other team has a perfect game going, then you absolutely, absolutely have to pull for it. Like like yesterday, the Yankees were winning one nothing at the end of the fourth. By the end of the fifth, they're up 7 nothing. They yeah. scored six runs in the fifth. At that point, if you're an ace fan, you're like, all right, this guy on the hill is, uh, you know, he's got a perfect game going. I think I'm going to kind of change my allegiances and just kind of so, selfishly root for this. Domingo Herman, and that's the other thing that's great about if you look at the list of, of perfect game pitchers oh, in Major League Baseball history. Completely random. Totally. People. That's what's beautiful about it. That's the beauty of it. Like, I mean, Domingo Herman's throwing a perfect game. Like, I, had you heard of him? I mean, have most people heard of him? Most people haven't. I've heard of him, but I thought it was funny, too, because like he threw a perfect game, nine strikeouts, obviously no runs or anything like that, no hits, and it dropped his ERA to 4.54 on the yeah. season. A perfect game dropped his ERA just under five. I mean, you want to talk about the most elite of fraternities possible. The, the, the pitchers that have thrown. I mean, there are obviously some names in here. Cy Young did it. Okay, pretty big name, right? Mm-hmm. Don Larson, I mean, that's obviously a famous one. Sandy Koufax, Catfish Hunter. Randy Len, Johnson. Lynn Barker, Tom Browning. But, I mean, you know, David Wells, he was a good pitcher. Kenny Rogers, he was a good pitcher. Randy Johnson, Mark Burley, Dallas Braden. The most obscure one is the White Sox guy, Phil Umber. Yeah, I mean, on 96 pitches. Yeah. I remember watching that game, and I'm, uh, who is this guy? He's like their fifth spot starter. And Herman yeah, threw 99 that. last night, 99 pitches. So he is one of just, I'll see how many how many have thrown one. David Cohn did it in 88. That's impressive. Rogers in 96, Martinez in 95. So about half are under 100 pitches. Cone was 99. Uh, Jim Bunning was 90. So about half of them were 90 pitches. Or fewer. Whoa. Addy Joss in 1908 threw it in 74 pitches. That's insane. Like, that's impressive, right? <laughs> that seems almost impossible. That's like a, People are like, ah, oh, that's good because I got to have the horse back by nine. It's a lot of, <laughs> of one-pitch ground outs, I'd imagine. Wow. Yeah. Uh, anyway, good morning to all of you. I'm sure we'll talk about... A little of that this morning, and then, you know, the Colts news as well. Mark, we've been saying, I kind of get a kick out of this. And I have a question about it that we'll get into further down the road. But the one thing I get a kick out of last night with the Isaiah Rogers story is it was like this breaking news top flight story from ESPN that's like, yeah, that was actually breaking news like two weeks ago. Uh-huh. There was literally no no new information. None. None. And then, I, I don't know, there, there was the whole, like, five players, including Isaiah Rogers. Clearly, Rogers' name is being thrown out there because he's the only one that's fessed up to it. Like, yeah. why are we not hearing the other names? Well, that, and I think he might be the most, 
I wouldn't say well known, but probably the most the the name that people are like. Oh, okay, like maybe you I know just, him and I, stuff. Just like Mark, name recognition. Mark, do but, people that are fans of the Atlanta Falcons know who Isaiah Rogers is? Probably not. But I'm saying the fact that yeah, he put his name out there as like yeah, raised raised hand. I did that, and like the other guys really haven't because I think most of the other guys are on the Lions, from what I could tell. Um, that are still awaiting suspension. But, yeah, Isaiah Rogers is like, yeah, that was me, my bad, like this and that. Like, That's the only one that actually publicly, I think, mentioned it. Everybody else hasn't mentioned it. Even when Calvin Ridley got busted for it, I don't recall him making a statement publicly or not about it. But Isaiah Rogers likely going to be suspended for the full season. I think we all could have predicted that. Sounds like the news will officially come out either later today or tomorrow. Uh, according to Adam Schefter, so we'll see we'll see what the league hands out as far as suspensions because he also mentioned that there's some that will just get multi-game suspensions, but for Rodgers, season long, kind of makes you think, you know, at least question, did he bet on Colts games, including other NFL games as well? That, that seems to be the big sticking point because Calvin Ridley got busted. Granted, he was, not at the, he was not with the team when it happened, but he was betting on NFL games and got busted for that one. So I would assume Isaiah Rogers with the season long suspension means that he got busted for not only betting on NFL games, but possibly even Colts games. And that would be a pretty major red flag because he is not of the caliber that of uh, player that Calvin Ridley is. So I'd be really curious to see if once that suspension is over and he uh, uh, applies for a reinstatement by the league, uh, if other teams would catch on to him, if the if the Colts happen to cut him loose with all this, uh, we'll get more into this coming up about twenty minutes or so when we take a really deep dive on the Colts news yesterday and dissect it because I've got an, a, a thought on it or a question on it that uh, I need to get off my chest, so to speak. We'll do that a uh, little pat at the bottom of the hour, Jake. I know you like to educate and entertain, so let me correct you. There's only one star in our solar system; it's the sun. The I guess planets. How about that? Whatever you want to call them, celestial beings. What, what, what is everything else that you see out, out in the solar system? I mean, those are still stars. I would They're assume. just not our solar system. But so there's no other stars in our solar system. I think that, just I, one. I think that's right. Actually, that would be the I only. I have no idea. In our solar system, the sun is the one star that everything moves around. It kind right? of stinks. Are, all these other solar systems have all these stars, and we just got the one. Well, I think what. So I guess what you're seeing is a bunch of other solar systems, right? Yeah, I guess. We only got one. Well, that's it. I think every solar system would only have one, right? Hey, you nine planets, you share solar this system one. would mean a system based around the solar, meaning one sun, one star. I, I don't know. That's that's my assumption there. But I go appreciate to the science the, center and figure it well, out. We like to educate and entertain. Uh, I, I want to go back to this though, Mark. If you are, if you are at a game, a major league baseball game, I've asked this question a hundred times. I it, it fascinates me. I can't fathom how anybody does not see it this way if you're at a major league baseball game your team's playing in june your team's 18 games out of first or whatever they are and you realize like at what point in the game does the opposing pitcher have a perfect game when you i'm not saying switch allegiances but where you begin to root for the history and you're like i, I okay i want to see this happen i'd say about fifth or sixth inning and you're kind of like All right, we're halfway through here my team's not making much noise if any this guy's got a like i don't know going. that you're rooting for your players to like ground out like you're not standing up like you suck yeah. to your if player it, I think trying to discourage him from getting a hit but like you have to be like whoa i think if it's one nothing or like two nothing where there's like a slight chance that your team can come back you're you're kind of later to the game there but if it's like 
like you said with the with the Yankees and A's yesterday, when it's seven nothing in the sixth. The at Athletics point, are like, twenty nine games out of first place. Okay, That's true. and they're twenty nine games out of first place, and they're about to leave. But regardless, if you're at the game, you have a chance to see something that's been done 23 times in the history of – think about this. I, easiest way to say it. Think I, You're how old, Mark? I am thir- 37. 37 years old. Give me, a, give me a memory in your lifetime of something that you did in the summer that you remember that was fun. Uh, jumping off the very top of our deck into the pool. Okay. And my mom yelling at me not to do How it. old were you? It's probably like 13. Okay. So, there were, how many Major League Baseball games were being played the night that you did that? Probably 10, right? Probably, yeah. Okay. And there have been, on average, 8 to 10 Major League Baseball games that have taken place every single summer night from that night to now, right? Mm-hmm. And in all of those games... All those games played, all those days that have passed, all those turns of the calendar, all those different seasons, all of those years, in totality, 23 times, there are 23 sets of fans somewhere that can say, I saw a perfect game. 23. How would you not be like, oh my gosh, I have an opportunity. Like that's, that's, to quote Jim Irsay, that's rare air. How many people can say? Now, I realize Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in a game in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and literally 787,000 people were there. Because you talk to people from anywhere. If if somebody literally – I mean, there are people that if they've eaten three Hershey candy bars, they claim that they were there that night in Hershey, Pennsylvania. But he played a game in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I, I think in the box score it was listed as something like 7,000 people were there. And now, literally, you talk to anybody, like, I was there. A sold-out game. I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but Indianapolis, the city of Indianapolis, metropolitan area now, like two million. Of those two million, one million seven hundred eighty-seven thousand were at Elvis's last concert. Right? Yeah. Twenty-three times someone's thrown a perfect game. You have to root for it. You have yeah. to. No, I I agree with you. Now I was bummed that I did not see, and the final out actually was a pretty nice defensive play. But there's always one or two defensive gems in a game like that. Where, you know, it's like, oh, man, if you go back to the fourth, somebody made a diving catch out in center field like you didn't realize at the time that was preserving a perfect game. But you would even think, you know, that an additional variable that makes last night impressive is now you have – I was watching a game uh, – it was the Reds, who, by the way, last night, exciting win over cute fella. But I was watching a game recently where the the pitcher got a clock violation. Uh-huh. Well, if you've got if you got a full count on somebody and there's a clock violation, yeah. they're on base. There mm-hmm. goes your perfect game. Yeah, that is another factor that correct hasn't been the case in the past. Correct. So another variable that guys have potential to get a runner on base. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, our poll that we did, we oh, got into a, a completely serendipitous conversation spontaneously about Richard Dawson and Steve Harvey doing Family Feud. I'm assuming that this will skew a little towards your age demographic because it was your Twitter audience. I but think you, you're mistaken there. You well, I, I tweeted out from the show. From how the show how did you word well. the question? I said the best Family Feud host of all time is dot dot dot, and I said Richard Dawson or Steve Harvey, and I think okay. Sam's burner account says where's Richard Karn, and I said I, come on now. I, I, here's what I here's the thing before we get to the any of the the answer here. The challenge here is in the wording. Steve Harvey may well be the best, 
But what I'm saying is the one that is the most linked to and the one that is the most immediately associated with, to me, is Richard Dawson. Yeah, he was the first, so so that's an easy association, I would say. Any any time a host is the first of a show, he's he kind also, of tied to that. He he also, unlike Steve Harvey, it was the was licking faces and shooting. Well, darts. but he was the. How do I word this? Okay, here's the better way of saying it. Daryl Strawberry is a better player to have played for the New York Yankees than Aaron Boone. But Aaron Boone is probably more recognized as a New York Yankee because it was like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or Bucky Dent, that's a better example. Daryl Strawberry was a better baseball player to have played for the New York Yankees than Bucky Dent. But Bucky Dent is more recognized as a Yankee. Which one is more recognized as a Yankee? Well, Daryl Strawberry is more recognized as a New York Met or maybe even a Dodger. Bucky Dent's signature moment played came with the Yankees, so he is more recognized as a Yankee. But Strawberry is the better player. Richard Dawson's career, he was in Hogan's Heroes, and he was on Match Game a lot. But his defining moment, the thing that, that became the staple of his career, was the fact that he was the host on Family Feud when it was in primetime on network television. Steve Harvey's career is far more versatilely accomplished. So it is just one of three or four things in which he is most known. But that said, how many people voted on your survey? This is still an hour left, so you can hammer the voting ballot if you want. But how many total votes? Uh, just over 300 Okay, and what percentage for for each? Give me give me the the fifty five point two versus forty four point eight. So I'm going to say that I'm going to say that Richard Dawson has the fifty five point two. You would be correct. Yeah. So take your victory lap, enjoy it while you can. I still maintain that Steve Harvey is is the better host, probably the more uh, PC coat. Uh, host than uh richard dawson would be these days i don't know if you can pull off the richard dawson uh antics these days that he did back in whatever was the mid 70s i mean richard dawson was like a walking hr violation right yeah i would say i would say so i can't imagine what he did off camera Not if me. that's what he's doing on camera for all of america to see always had the polyester suit always had the cigarette staples of the 1970s game show television oh shows. you've been married 25 years let me just make out with your wife in totally. front of you real i quick. mean unbelievable Where's scott, scott agnes joins us an hour from now we're going to talk a little pacers basketball with scott then jeremy fowler from espn will join us in the nine o'clock hour to talk about the story that they said by the end of the week that comes out on wednesday that means basically today or tomorrow but i've got questions we'll get to that about the Colts report will get you caught up on what happened overnight as well, and we might even take a look at the air conditions. We Can we get one of the meteorologists in town to call in? I'm sure we I can. we have a couple that listen to the program. I wonder if we can get in to call in and explain. like what, Because I noticed last night, at the north to the northeast, there was kind of an opening, if you will. You could see some blue sky, but I don't know which direction. Typically, the wind moves from the west, but I didn't know which direction things are moving or if we're going to get reprieve in the air quality today we'll discuss all of that uh when we come back and we will let you know what happened last night in the morning check down just about five minutes from now it's kevin and query here on a thursday 93.5 the fan life is full of things to manage your work your family your plans and your treatment consider kesimpta ofatumumab 20 milligram injection 
you can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. A perfect game in baseball yesterday uh, for the New York Yankees as they took down the Oakland Athletics 9-0, or 11-0, excuse me. Domingo German, a 24th perfect game in MLB history. Nine strikeouts on 99 pitches. He is the first Yankee to do it since 1999 when David Cohn did it and the fourth Yankee in history to throw a perfect game. Name the other two Yankees. Uh, is one... Was Felix Hernandez? No, I don't know. You're asking me the wrong questions today. It's probably those guys in like 1898, yeah. right? Yeah, with the horse and buggy on the 74 pitches. <laughs> yeah. I Let's mean, go sip sarsaparilla after that big win. Big but I'm win. telling you, like the fact that you have the chance to see a pitcher do something that is still listed as like pitchers that have done it, you know, it's still in the same category going back to 1893. I mean, that alone is like why I can't believe that people wouldn't be pulling for it. Don Larson did it in 56, David Wells in 1998, David Cohn in 1999. So there you go. There's there's your three. Yeah, Don Larson was in the World Series, right? I believe so, yes. You believe so? Well, I, I believe like, so, yes. It was from the 50. I flipped through it. I believe that's correct. It's like the most famous World Series game of all time, is it not? I don't know. Against the Brooklyn Dodgers? Is it the most famous one? I mean, a perfect game in the World Series has never been done. I don't know if it's the since. most famous World Series. I, my my, fa- my most famous World Series is Game 7 in 2016. I, I would say but that's this. just me. I would say amongst, in terms of great single-game World Series moments, Don Larson's perfect game is amongst the five most referenced. Kurt Gibson's home run would be there. Carlton Fisk's home run would be there. Um, I mean, obviously, final outs of any World Series is a big deal, right? But in terms of signature moments, strangely, Joe Carter's home run, which is you know the the only home run to to walk off a World Series, doesn't get mentioned as high. And I've always wondered is that just because it was a team out of country? That might be with the Blue Jays. I mean, if he does that exact same feat with the San Francisco Giants, does it become a more iconic moment? It might be. I'm trying now. I'm now. I'm looking to see like the time, how how long it took for each uh, perfect game to happen. I've got it right here. How the long fair, was last night's? I didn't see that one yet. So last night's perfect game, Domingo Herman threw it in two hours and thirty minutes. That actually is longer than most. Two twenty-two was the previous for Felix Hernandez, but the be- the, the shortest all time. The first one. Perfect game was well back then. Maybe they. Uh, who knows? Did they have? Maybe they had the the clock running. And Tom Browning did it for the Reds in an hour and fifty one minutes. Mike Witt of California did it in an hour and forty nine minutes. So those are two that are underneath two hours. The first one, Sandy Koufax did it in an hour and forty three. Cy Youngs, it says he did it in an hour and twenty five minutes. Uh, Addie Joss did it in an hour thirty two. Cy Young in an hour twenty five, and Charlie Robertson in an hour fifty five. So. I, there probably were some rules in play back then. Who knows? And what was also I, you're going to laugh when I say this. Um, no, I guess actually it was the 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 mound was the same distance back then because these are all since they moved the mound. So I 
I don't know. Yeah, what but back back been. in like back in the early 1900s, one minute was actually five minutes. So that's, that's right. That's the problem there. Yeah, that's exactly Elsewhere right. in baseball, the Phillies beat the Cubs eight to five. Pirates over the Padres seven one. Brewers top the Mets five two. Rockies edge the Dodgers ninety eight. Reds take down your cute fella eleven to seven. Watch that game. I did not. I was happy to see. See, I'm conflicted though because I I am a Cubs fan, so I'm rooting against the Reds. But I'm also I like the Orioles, but now because of our contest, I'm against the Orioles. So when I saw them losing and I saw my Diamondbacks have a 2 nothing lead over the Rays, I was like, all right, here we go. And then the uh, the Reds pull off the victory over the Orioles, and the Rays put up three in the ninth, and my 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 uh, my Diamondbacks lose 3-2. to two. Scotty Johnson points out, by the way, and by the way, he said it's Hermod. Isn't that what we were saying? Yeah. Um, Joe Carter was the second walk-off World Series home run. I knew Mazeroski had a had a – home run to end it but I didn't know if it was a walk-off I thought it was like or maybe it was like a game six and Carter was game six. there's some sort of caveat between the two I think Carter's was game six though but either way I've always thought Joe Carter's home run to end a World Series is not referenced as much as one would imagine and that's partially based on the team for which he played uh, WNBA fever at Phoenix tonight 10 o'clock start that's can be seen on NBA TV when we come back oh what Last night in the NHL draft, the Chicago Blackhawks drafted uh, number one overall pick, 17-year-old phenom Connor Bedard with the number one overall pick mm-hmm. in the 2023 NHL draft. What so, just- as I said, uh, when we come what? back, the report yesterday, we'll dive further into it in terms of what it might mean for the Colts and kind of muddling through some news in the NFL. We'll elaborate. We'll do it on the other side. It's Kevin and Corey, 93.5, 107.5, the fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 21 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock on a Thursday. Good morning to you. My name is Jake Query. Mark Dykton here as well. Kevin Bowen back on – actually, we're back on Wednesday because we'll be taking the 4th of July holiday off on Monday and Tuesday. So that means the 3rd and 4th we will be out. Kevin will be back on Wednesday when we resume, resume full throttle. Sam Fritz capably filling in on the big board here inside the drivehubler.com studio we began the show 40 minutes ago or so. For those of you that are just waking up, good morning to you. We began the show by playing some audio from ESPN's Adam Schefter from yesterday. Um, and I have a couple of questions about the audio to dive deeper into it. But let's begin by hearing yesterday the report from Adam Schefter and ESPN. Stephen Holder was certainly part of this report uh, and was credited as such from the network itself, but then, of course, as a lot of times, as a bureau comes up with information, then Schefter becomes the the facilitator of getting that information out. But here is Adam Schefter yesterday. Then there are going to be a handful of NFL players suspended by the end of this week, including the Colts cornerback Isaiah Rodgers, who's going to face a year-long suspension for his violations of the league's gambling policy. Now, there will be other players. I don't expect any big names in the bunch, but it sounds like there will be a few players who get season-long suspensions. I think there'll be another one that gets a multi-game suspension, but the league is taking a very strong stance 
and making it very clear that players are not allowed to bet on their own teams. They're not allowed to bet from their own training facilities. We've already seen players suspended this offseason, and we're going to see more before the week is through. Multiple suspensions coming later this week. Okay, here are the the things that kind of confused me throughout that. First, there was nothing there that we have that we didn't already know, except for the timeline. It's going to be this week. Okay, yep. that answers something. But I've always been a precedent guy. In any ruling and anything that you come up with, you always go back to precedent. What is the precedent so that we can look at what we anticipate happening? Isaiah Rogers, we knew some a month ago. And I'm going to go all the way back, Mark, on this. Now that this is coming to a head, I'll go all the way back full throttle here, okay? I'm driving back on a Monday afternoon. I'm in northern Indiana from another taping of something I'm doing. I'm driving back, and I get a text message that says, hey, FYI, by the end of day today, there's going to be a story that breaks about the Colts involved in a gambling scandal. What are you talking about? And this friend of mine, quite frankly, I'm in a buddy of mine, works in an industry and this sounds so Ferris Bueller. I don't want to say the industry because I don't want to tip the hand as to who the friend of mine is because it's a great, a reputable, love the guy to death. But he says, I, listen, I work in an industry and one of my customers is the next door neighbor of a Colts player. Mm-hmm. And that Colts player, my customer, watches over that Colts player's house when the Colts player is not in Indianapolis. And the Colts player just called my customer while I was over there helping my customer with something at my customer's house and said, hey, just an FYI, this year I think it's entirely possible you're going to have to watch my house a lot more because I don't know that I'm going to be there this year. And the guy says, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, I'm about to get popped for a gambling suspension. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, wait, what? Like I've heard, I've heard nothing about this. And the player says, well – the Colts don't know about it yet. I've been notified, but the Colts have not. Hmm. So my buddy hears this and sends me a thing and goes, I want to let you know about this. Now, when you do what we do for a living, you you automatically take with a huge grain of salt any sort of news information. We had a situation last week where an extremely reputable person within the sports media world sent me a message saying, here's what I'm hearing of a breaking story. It was our responsibility to begin trying to verify if that was true, particularly because of the credibility of the person that said it to me. Turned out that was a premature report on a totally different story. But in this situation, I thought, I don't know. So I asked around, and within literally, and this is in today's world of social media and everything else, between the time that I got that phone call and I thought, okay, one out of 10 of these is a hit, all of a sudden the smoke started to show some flame to it. And it's like, this might be true. And literally by 4 o'clock that afternoon, I'm on with JMV and I'm like, okay, I can tell you definitively it's a defensive player. My friend did not tell me the name of the player, 
but simply said it's a defensive player, spot starter, and then I said, okay, so tell me this. What player most stands to benefit from this move? And he, he gave me the name of a few corners, and then I knew, okay, it's a defensive back, right? And then Isaiah Rogers comes out and says, it's me. I've done something bad. Here's what happened. So we know now that it was Isaiah Rogers. So that was literally like a month ago. And there has not been much new information then except for the anticipation and the waiting of, we know Isaiah Rogers was involved in a gambling scandal. When is this going to come out? Now, in addition to that, the rumor became that Rodgers was investigated for for gambling on and wagering on multiple Colts games. Yeah. Upwards of five games of the Indianapolis Colts, of which Isaiah Rodgers was on the field wearing the uniform of the Indianapolis Colts as a paid employee of the Indianapolis Colts and placing wagers on a sports app for the Indianapolis Colts to win games. And the very easy question of, well, if he plays for the Colts and he's wagering on the Colts, then he's not compromising the integrity of the game. But the question then becomes, but if he didn't do it in all 17 games, what does that tell gamblers and and sports apps and everything else about the games where he's not wagering on the Colts? Right. But here are the rules of the NFL, the six quote-unquote key rules of gambling for the NFL. Don't bet on the NFL. Fine. Don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Okay. Don't have someone bet for you. Don't share team inside information. Don't enter a sports book during the NFL playing season. And don't play daily fantasy football. Well, first off, the daily fantasy football thing, you hear guys used to joke all the time. So-and-so is like, man, I'll tell you what. I mean, I know we're getting ready to go against so-and-so, but I got him in my fantasy league. You used to hear that, like, they would joke about that stuff. Mm -hmm. But let's go back to precedent. Let's go back to precedent. Adam Schefter says in that report that players are preparing themselves for a one-year suspension. The precedent of that one-year suspension would be Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons, who was suspended last year for the entire season for betting on NFL games on an app over a five-game stretch in which he was away from the team. In nowhere in that report does it indicate that Calvin Ridley wagered on the Atlanta Falcons, and nowhere does it say that Calvin Ridley wagered on games where he was actually somebody whose actions affected the outcome of the game. And yet, Isaiah Rodgers is going to get the exact same penalty. He took the exact same infraction as Calvin Ridley, but doubled down. That's my biggest question about this whole thing, is that he's he? it looks like he's going to have a mirror image suspension of Calvin Ridley. But I'm curious if there's going to be, when we do finally get the official news that he's been suspended for the full year, if there's going to be a caveat that says, you know, maybe he has to... I know Ridley had to re, like apply for reinstatement. I'm curious if Isaiah Rogers is going to have that same ability to do or if it's going to be more of an indefinite suspension and the league is just going to suspend him for the full season and then we'll see what happens next year. Because I can't imagine if he's actually betting on the team he plays for in games that he's playing that that's going to fly too well with Roger Goodell in the front office of the NFL. I mean, if you're talking about you're and he's not, not to the caliber that Calvin Ridley was either. That's that's the other thing that we have to think about. But this the whole caliber thing. should be irrelevant. I get what you're saying, but the caliber should be totally irrelevant. 
It should be. That's not to say it is. It I'm saying be. as far as if he if the Colts were to cut him loose, is some other team going to pick him up? Like Calvin Ridley got picked up by the Jaguars. Does that mean that the if if the Colts cut him loose after this whole thing, is he going to find a second job in the NFL? Correct. I mean, understood. Right. That's Probably what I was getting not. at. But, but, again, the infractions aren't even the same, so the penalty can't possibly – I just can't imagine. the. If I'm Isaiah Rogers, so the NFL took Calvin Ridley, and they said Calvin Ridley was sitting in a – like he was injured, he was playing for the Atlanta Falcons. He was laying in a at his house or something. Yeah, in his house in you know whatever, Powder Springs, Georgia, whatever. He was away from the team. That sounds lovely, by the way. I think that's the hometown of Jeff Saturday. Is it not? Is it? Mm-hmm. So, so Calvin Ridley is sitting there like chilling out, away from the team. He gets on one of the apps. He places some wagers, and he gets suspended for a year. The NFL says, people know who Calvin Ridley is. People know who the Atlanta Falcons are. We've got to make an example of him. We've got to let other players know this is unacceptable. And then, on top of that, they have a player that not only was not learning from that example of Calvin Ridley, but doubled down by adding insult to injury by doing it for the team, not only that he plays for, allegedly, but in games where he was playing. If you're the NFL, one would think that the NFL then says, okay, now we've got to get – what we did with Calvin Ridley didn't work. What we did with Calvin Ridley did not work, so we've got to go even further. I would be – and again, it's one thing for teams to then say, you know, look, this guy's not playing again. He's not – he's not – the risk is not worth the reward for us – so, or the reward is not worth the risk, better way of saying it, of us signing Isaiah Rogers. So his days in the NFL are done. Okay? It's one thing for teams to say that. But you would think the league itself would say, okay, we, we laid the line in the sand with player A. Player B committed even worse, meaning that what we did with player A did not resonate to the totality that we wanted. So, therefore, we've got to hammer it even harder. And not only do you have – Obviously, Isaiah Rogers, you have about five Lions that have this issue going on. Apparently, Sheffer in his report says that there's going to be even more suspensions announced. So this seems to be an issue that's actually growing instead of decreasing, which is probably raising some red flags in the NFL front office. They're like, wow, I know we're in bed with a lot of these gambling sites, but now our players are not being deterred from our rules and everything. They're actually We've actually got more suspensions we've got to hand out by the end of the week. So I'm curious to see if they're going to start getting a little bit itchy and scratchy with their with their sponsorships that they have with these betting sites and if they actually restructure their gambling rules where, okay, 100%, you cannot gamble on NFL games, but maybe dip your toes, you can, you can gamble on MLB and NBA games or something like that because I feel like that's that's getting to a point where we're getting with the NFL. 239-1070 is the telephone number. Terry, what's up? Good morning, boys. How are hey. you? What's up? I've heard, I've heard this player's name about 40 times too many. He screwed the Colts, absolutely screwed the Colts with the F word when he decided that he was going to gamble on the Colts. He's gone. He's history. I would like to not talk about him anymore because he doesn't deserve to have his name mentioned with the Indian, excuse me, Indian Colts. You mean because of the, the negative imagery that he brings to the franchise? Well, I, I think he lost his 
uh, right to be part of the team when he screwed the team. He screwed the team. But he what screwed a, the fans. But Terry, what I'm saying, and I'm I'm asking this for clarification, not not in defiance. So please understand. Yes. When you say that he that he screwed them, you mean because he tarnished the image of the franchise. Is that what you mean by that? No. I mean he took himself off the team the moment he placed that first bet. He's the one that did it. He's the impetus for removing himself from the team. Right, but what so what I'm saying to you is so he so you're saying he screwed the franchise or the fans by by costing them the availability of a player that could play well for them. Absolutely. And we were yeah, that's we fair. were counting we were counting on him this yeah, year. That's mm-hmm. that's a fair statement. And that's and that's the other thing, Terry, that's even the most stunning about it is with everything at stake for him, not only the amount of money he was going to make this year, but the amount of money that he potentially was going to make based on if he had played well. That's the stunning thing about it. Yeah. And, and, and part of it, too, in all of this, and I realize when I say this, people are going to be like, Jake, you're out of your mind. I totally get it. Jake, he was betting a $50 wager here, a $75 wager there. He makes a million and a half dollars. What is 250 bucks on a Sunday to him? It is nothing. It's literally like you putting a quarter in one of the gumball machines to see which team's NFL helmet pops out of that little thing at Kroger. I totally get it. However, having said all of that, even knowing that a $50 or $75 bet was potentially going to cost him millions of dollars does show the possibility that he is stricken with the same illness that many, many people have. And it's one of the true dangers in gambling, and it's why it's a slippery slope that you can't outlaw it for the masses just to protect a very small percentage of people, but there are people that have an issue with it. There are people that have an addiction to it. There are people that get captivated, drawn in, lured in, and and absolutely grasped and gripped by the the energy of it. And in that regard, you would hope that those people, and maybe Isaiah Rogers is one of them, need help. It is very easy to say there's no way he has a gambling addiction, Jake. He's only betting a couple of hundred dollars on a couple of bets over the course of a year. But he knew what was at stake and still couldn't stop from doing it. Yeah, this this year was supposed to be his biggest payday as far as his contract is concerned. It was his last year of his deal, 2.7 base salary. And now, I mean, I'm assuming that's frozen at this point, right? I mean, he, the contract's going to be frozen, so instead of hitting free agency in 2024, now he has a year-long contract frozen by the Colts and then they can kind of see what they want to do with it that's my understanding 1-800-9 with it and I said that not flippantly yeah quite honestly if you have a gambling problem 1-800 the number nine with it Scott Agnes in 35 minutes life is full of things to manage your work your family your plans and your treatment consider Kesimpta ofatumumab 20 milligram injection you can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. It's Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. So yesterday, Mark, and it was kind of easy to like make sport of it, I guess, but it was... You know, it was it was dangerous, quite frankly. That I don't know about you, and maybe it's the power of suggestion. But did you notice this? 
aside from visually speaking, did you feel like you were affected by the smoke yesterday? Definitely, because I was I was going out to grill dinner, did some brats for Ashley and I, and I did some hot dogs for the girls, and I, even just like breathing, you're kind of like it feels like a heavier like, like almost like a kind of like an asthmatic kind of like breathing where you kind of you know just felt like it was a little heavier or taking in a little more a little less oxygen than usual and all that stuff and then just the creepy visual of just hazy all around I mean, that and, was the weird part right was yeah. the you know last night as i mentioned I, I i went to the store and i was walking out to my car and there was the northeast corner of the diorama if you will like as i was looking around the sky there was a break. I mean, there was. It was like you could see blue with clouds. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Like there is a a hole here. But then I thought, well, wait a minute. I mean, you know, typically things move from the west. The winds move from the west, and the west was still cloud covered or smoke covered. I noticed Tuesday night and last night both having just a very, and this is probably power of suggestion, but I had a very very like subtle headache. And I, and I wasn't out in it a lot. I cannot believe I'm not going to say the name of the high school because I, I just I don't. It's not worth necessarily getting going that deep into it. But I cannot believe I have friends whose kids are involved in sports, and I know that you have off season sports programming or whatever else. There is a, a a major high school in the area that yesterday still had their cross country team practice and run outdoors yesterday like for like an hour wow that's totally insane i mean when 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 literally you have warnings saying yeah the the air conditions in the city are the worst in the world outside of only dubai those numbers aren't just being made up right yeah i mean i i'm now nowadays i'm checking the weather Every morning when I wake up, I'm like, what's the air quality alert? And it says, unhealthy air quality index is 170, which is similar to yesterday about this time. It's like, that's not great. That's When you're seeing unhealthy air, you're kind of like, but oh, I thought let's see what we can do. We, what we, outdoor activities can I do today? Yesterday we peaked at like 230, right? I mean, yeah. I, have no, I have no idea what that means. 230 what? Like 230 particles per inch? I have no idea what it means. But today is supposed to be, allegedly, it's supposed to get better over the course of the day. Now, here are my two things, as we talked about earlier. Uh, there are events taking place. Severe weather is forecasted today as well. And tonight, Noel Gallagher with Garbage at Ruoff Music Center. I really, really, really want to go. I mean, we I have tickets. We're going. Mm-hmm. But Noel Gallagher and that, that exact lineup canceled yesterday in Wisconsin due to the air quality. And I have no idea how early in the day they canceled that. I mean, one would think that they're going to roll in town. He's going to take one look out the window. This looks like L. What's that? This looks like L. <laughs> and Don't that would be that, this. right? Huh? And that would be that, right? Yeah. But then, there, you know, you throw in the factor, too, that bad weather in terms of storms. You are going tonight to the to a sporting event, right? Correct. Yeah, the Savannah Bananas are doing uh, their world tour, and it's their first stop in Indianapolis ever. And it's uh, the first of two games they're playing today and tomorrow night. Uh, against the party animals, and I'm very much looking forward to it. I was very excited they're coming to Indy. I had like the email alerts on when tickets growing on sale because I'm like, I really want to see this team and live and everything. So, got tickets. We're all going. 
Uh, Ashley is scheduled to get out of work early. Now I'm kind of like, well, are you? Are, are, is there a point of getting out of work? Because I'm curious about this air quality, if that's going to have an effect. And then also there's supposed to be evening thunderstorms scattered throughout the area. So I'm curious if that's going to affect us at all. So the, hopefully we're going, but I, I, it remains to be seen if I'll have a beer bet in my hand watching some Savannah Bananas tonight. We we have discussed this before, but I, I think I told you a couple of years ago, um, a couple of years ago I was driving, I was down in the southeast part of the country, and I thought, well, you know what, What's I was in Hilton Head. And I looked up. I wonder what there is to do on the way on the drive home. You know, maybe it was summer nights, etc. And I saw Savannah, like a thing popped up. Savannah Bananas. This was like five years ago. And I'm like, oh, there's a minor league baseball team in Savannah. That's cool. And I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's like, you know, doing goofy stuff. And I'm like, and so then I wondered. I'm like, now, is this a legitimate Double A baseball team? And they're joking around and the opponent doesn't know it like what's what's going on here and then i started seeing more and more of like videos of them like it became like a thing right they, they literally are the savannah bananas are they're like the justin bieber of sports in the fact that it was like social media videos that made them known yeah they're like the globe trotters of baseball basically yeah. so they are made up in i would imagine it's mostly former college players, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, dumb question, do they play, does their traveling act, for example, include the opposing team as well? So the opposing team on these travel games is the Party Animals, which is kind of like a, a spinoff of well, the Savannah Bananas. Well, that's what I mean, so but I believe, like, I is believe it the, a, same, the yeah, same group every time? I believe so. I'm not, I'm not positive, though. I, I, I haven't dug that deep into it, to be quite honest, but... I know the traveling, they're playing the party animals as, now, do as, they their, have as their world tour. Any part of their game, I guess you won't know this until tonight, but are there any parts of the game that are a normal baseball game? I know they have their own rules. They call it banana ball or something. So that it, there's a whole different rule where it says, let's see, win the inning, get the point. Every inning is worth one point. The team that gets the most runs in an inning gets a point for that inning, except for the last inning where every run counts. There's a two-hour time limit. Uh, no new inning can be started after one hour and 50 minutes. In the last inning of the game, every run counts. No stepping out of the hitter's box. Uh, if you do, it's a strike. No bunting at all because they say bunting sucks. Batters can steal first. On any pitch of an at-bat, the batter, the hitter can choose to try to steal first base. This can happen on a pass ball, wild pitcher, anytime the hitter chooses. No walks allowed. If a pitcher throws full throws ball four it becomes a sprint the hitter will take off running while the every, every defensive player on the field must touch the ball before it becomes live the hitter then and can, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa say that last part again if a pitcher throws ball four okay it becomes no, slow, a down, sprint. slow down slow down so the pitcher throws ball four mm-hmm. okay then then what happens the hitter will take off running okay while every defensive player on the field must touch the ball before it becomes live the, the hitter the hitter can advance to as many bases as they want hold on hold on i don't understand that before it becomes live what does that mean like before, like they can throw them, they can throw them out. So they have to throw. So okay, so you're at bat. Ball four is thrown. Mm-hmm. You start sprinting to first. Yep. So that means the catcher. So I then have to throw to the first baseman, to throw to the second baseman, to throw to the shortstop, to throw to the left fielder, to the center fielder, the right fielder, back to the pitcher, and then now we can try to throw to first and get well, you and out. Third base too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, come on, that's impossible. Yeah. Well, that's why it's fun. The ball does not have to touch the catcher or pitcher. So there you go. You only have to get. 
seven the seven position players. No mound visits allowed. If a fan catches a foul ball, it's an out. And then they have this rule about showdown tiebreakers if the balls if the game is tied. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into it and all that stuff. So definitely different than your typical baseball game, but I'm looking forward to it. Should be should be pretty fun. I've seen all the antics on on Twitter and social media and everything, so I think it'll be a fun venture for for the family tonight. And uh, I'm assuming it's going to be a pretty packed house. I, I I believe that they've sold out both nights, if I'm not mistaken. So should be a fun night. Hopefully it gets underway. Hopefully the weather plays nice, and so does the, uh, the air quality alerts. But but we'll see. Looking forward to it. Um, back to the conversation about Isaiah Rogers. I thought about this and, and I understand it. The, the appearance of hypocrisy for the national football league that they would be sponsored by or partnered with sports gambling apps while then telling their players that they can't wager on NFL games and suspending them. Um, I think it's probably no different than Maybe this is a bad analogy, but it's the only one that I, I can come up with to put it into everyman terms. There are – you ever – Mark, you ever you, – you were a bartender, right? Yes, which you were very excited about. And you were a bartender from what age to what age? Were you a bartender after the age of 21? Yes, because yeah, okay. it was during yeah throughout okay. college. So when you were 22 years old and you were attending bar, mm-hmm. and I get the fact, I believe me, I've been to plenty of bars or restaurants where you look and you see like the two bartenders are like quickly like doing a shot together behind the bar, and you're like, oh, okay. But for the most part, though, were you allowed, when you were attending bar, were you allowed to drink while you were attending bar? No, I worked at a country club, so that was frowned upon. Okay, so my point being, you were serving alcohol for people who wanted to consume alcohol and despite the fact that you were the facilitator of their consumption of alcohol you yourself while doing exactly that were not allowed to participate in the alcohol itself correct correct okay were you allowed to participate in the consumption of alcohol when you were not at work yes you could have gone across the street had a beer Mm-hmm. Or even just after after work hours, we were allowed to have a drink okay. after, at the bar. But during the time that you were being compensated for performing in a task of employment, you were not to be consuming alcohol, correct? Big no-no, yeah. Okay. Fireable offense. Is it possible that while you were working, you were, unbeknownst to you, you were supplying or or assisting, is a better word, in the consumption of alcohol by someone whose family or friends were concerned about their consumption of alcohol? Quite possibly. However, unless they were notably and and visibly impaired, it was not necessarily your job to govern that, but rather to trust the person's ability to self-govern their consumption, correct? Correct. Okay. That's exactly what comes into play here with the sports gambling apps. Sports gambling with the apps now operate under the assumption that people can self-govern their own ability to control it. And the vast majority of people can go into a bar, sit down, have a cold beer, watch a little bit of the game, maybe have a second cold beer. And know within themselves, A, if it's time for them to stop, and B, 
if they've had too much, that it's time to have somebody else help get them home, etc. That is the understanding as free-living adults. In addition to that, when you walk into a bar, the bartender is standing there probably maybe even wearing a T-shirt of the beer that they are distributing or standing in front of a banner everywhere around that has signage that says the name of different alcohols. But because they are working and they are under an agreement of the working terms of which they're compensated, they know that despite facilitating towards the consumption of those products, they themselves, while working, are not to consume them. The exact same is true in the National Football League. They know that people are enjoying and accentuating their experience as a spectator by getting onto a gambling app and placing a wager on the game. They are under the assumption that those people are self-governing the amount that they're doing so or policing themselves if, in fact, there is an issue or a problem. And they are compensating employees who are facilitating for that action to take place, but doing so with the understanding from the employees that while they are facilitating that consumption, that consumption is not for them to partake in while they are working. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty self-evident. The NFL has made it very clear that these are the, these are the six parameters for our gambling rules. You know, basically NFL players and NFL employees cannot gamble on the NFL, cannot gamble on sports period, despite all the signage, despite all the promotions, despite all the tie-ins with the league with gambling is a big fat no, no. Uh, So obviously Isaiah Rogers, one of the, one of the, uh, people that will be suspended for the for at least for the year, and then we've also got the Lions that have a a, multi, a handful of guys that are going to get pinched by the league as well. And apparently but that's some already happened ones. with the Lions, right? Well, I don't know if disciplinary action. I know a couple of them have been waived already by the team, and they might be serving like multi game suspensions. But we haven't heard. I, I think there's a few that are still outstanding that well, we haven't it heard says, from yet. For, this is from Schefter's report. Four Detroit Lions players and one Washington Commander player were suspended by the NFL for gambling violations. Lions wide receiver Quintez Cephas and safety C.J. Moore were suspended indefinitely for betting on NFL games, as was commander's defensive end Shaka Tony. Lions wide receivers Jamison Williams and Stanley Berryhill were suspended for six games each for mobile betting that occurred at the Lions Allen Park facility. The Lions subsequently released Cephas Moore and Berryhill. I believe so, there's one more Lion that, that has not been suspended okay. yet. So, but but those those penalties have been levied. What I was saying earlier to me that is the most confusing is the fact that the Atlanta Falcons, Calvin Ridley, again, we go back to what I said earlier. Yeah, you go to precedent. If you are if you're an attorney in the court of law and you're trying to figure out what exactly the punishment would be for your defendant, you look at the precedent of cases and what has already been levied. And in this case with Calvin Ridley, of the Atlanta Falcons, he was suspended for the entire last season for betting on NFL games over a five-game stretch in which he was injured and was not even around the team. So he's laying on a couch with his knee up. I think it was knee injury. I can't remember what his injury was. Uh But whatever the injury was, he's away from the team, and he's like, oh, I mean, yeah, I'll get on here and put down my my boy plays for Green Bay, and, you know, I I really like the Packers. They're playing the – Chargers tomorrow night. I'm gonna. I'll put twenty bucks on it. Two hundred bucks, whatever it might be. He's thinking to himself. I mean, this is no harm, no foul. I'm not. I'm not betting on the Falcons. I'm, I'm not, not even, I'm not even around the team facility. Yeah. 
And even with that, he gets he gets a year suspension. I don't know. I by no stretch of the imagination am I here to discredit any of these reports. But it seems hard for me to believe that based on precedent, when the NFL clearly said, we're going to make an example of Calvin Ridley, we're going to suspend him for a year to send a message to the rest of the league, we ain't playing around. If you're behind the bar and we catch you taking a drink, we're not messing around. You're going home. And Calvin Ridley, they sent that message, and they think, we're good. We, we sent the message. Surely the players are going to get the message. And then somebody comes to the principal's office and goes, um, Mr. Goodell, I, I want to let you know something. Um, we were all at recess, and we were playing kickball, and um, there's one guy, and he was talking about how he, he, he heard about Calvin Ridley, and so um, he kind of did the same thing, except for that he was with the team when he did it, and he was playing in the games, and he was putting money on the games he was playing in. Now, the principal's not going to go, okay, well, then he also is going to get suspended for one year. No, he's going to go, what? Yeah, I laid down the law with the first kid. Correct. Yeah. Now, then the principal says, well, we got to find out all the information we can. So the principal walks out to the playground, and this kid is standing on the pitcher's mound of the kickball diamond reading a letter letting everybody know how sorry he is about what he did. Then why is it taking six weeks? Right. Maybe they're going. Maybe they're combing over it to make sure how much gambling was done on the Colts and all that stuff. It it, it is pretty interesting. That I, it took I, that I don't see personally, based on precedent and the precedent in the NFL. I don't know that this exists in terms of a guy wagering on his own team. But there's precedent that the NFL wants to set a line in the sand and send a message to their fans that the integrity of their game has not been compromised, and for that reason. I personally believe that it would be a multi-year, if not lifetime, suspension for Isaiah Rodgers. That's what I was kind of raised my eyebrows when I when I heard that Schefter audio that it was going to be a season-long thing. I'm like, well, that's on that's mere image of what Ridley did, and from what we've heard, the Isaiah Rodgers, you know, supposed gambling doings are way worse because he was still with the team, he was still playing in games that he supposedly gambled on. So the fact that they levied almost the same suspension that Calvin Ridley got, I'm kind of like, wow, that. That almost seems lenient. Here's an interesting question. Jake, would it make a difference if Rodgers was making prop bets on himself? Like a $25 bet he would get an interception and not on the outcome of the game. I don't know that you can bet on specific players, but the point is well made. Anthony, it's a great point. And the answer is no, it would not. Because I go back to this. I, I, you can, I, by the way, make specific player player bets. You can? Yes. Okay. You can say like over, under, three and a half catches for Michael Pittman Jr. Okay. I go back to this point. It's not about the the confidence, the self-belief, the wagering on one's own success. It's not about that. It's more so about when you don't do that. If Isaiah if if people and I don't know who else would find out. But the NFL, don't kid yourself. The NFL, and make 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 certain of this. My opinion, not fact, but my opinion. The NFL is less worried 
about players gambling on games as they are players' actions affecting you, the fans, trust in your ability to bet on games. Yeah, 100%. Because they don't want they don't want the the fans that could be gambling don't want to feel like, "Oh, well, I don't want to bet on that game. That game could be compromised." Correct. I don't trust I Correct. don't trust the validity of the, that result. The NFL ain't stupid. The NFL knows that a large percentage of their television audience, why do people tune in? Why do you think there's sports books popping up left and right around the country? Well, because why, of the NFL. Why else would people watch a game between the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans on Thursday night football? They do it because, hey, you're going to watch the game this Thursday night? Who's playing? Texans, Browns. <laughs> Man, uh, you know what, though? I'll be honest. I've got DeAndre, or, you know, I've got Deshaun Watson in my fantasy league. Mm -hmm. Boom. Now yep. you're watching. Or. Nick Chubb over under 100 yards Correct. rushing, and and the NFL wants to make absolutely certain they are. It's to the NFL. It's less the morality of whether or not a guy is compromising his scruples by wagering on a game, and more making sure that the integrity of your wager, thus keeping and hinging your interest level in all of their games. That's what the NFL is the most concerned about yeah i mean the gambling on the nfl is a billion dollar plus industry and they don't want to see that compromised time by the way for a morning check down the morning check down on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan last night yankees athletics major league baseball it's only happened 23 times before and guess what now it's happened 24 Yankees 11-0 last night over the Oakland Athletics. The A's now, as a result, slipped to 29 games back within their own division. Game was in Oakland, I believe, right? I think Kevin took off his A's hat and was rooting for the perfect game. You have to. You absolutely have to. I know I people be. are like, oh, I'm a, I'm a real fan. Listen, I mentioned earlier, one one-hundredth of a percentage of games in Major League history have had a perfect game thrown. Yeah, you got to take off. You got to take off the, the fanhood for a while. Actually, it might even be one one thousandth of a percentage. Now that I think about it, I think you were in math one more recently than both of us. So That's I trust right. your one math. one thousandth of a percentage. You got to go for it. Yeah, elsewhere, for it. elsewhere around baseball, my Cubs hit a three game losing streak. They follow the Phillies eight to five. Pirates over the Padres seven one. Brewers over the Mets five two. Rockies edge the Dodgers nine to eight. Of course, the Reds take care of business against cute fella eleven seven. Astros. Top the Cardinals, 10-7. There's a lot of high-scoring games yesterday. 10s, 11s, 14s on the board. Guardians over the Royals, 14-1. White Sox top the Angels, 11-5. We talked about the Yankees and the Athletics, 11-0 shutout there. Diamondbacks fall. They are up 2-0. And then the D Tampa Bay Rays put up a three-spot in the ninth inning. Top the Diamondbacks, 3-2. I was very disappointed in that one. Louisville Bats edge the Indianapolis Indians, 7-6. Uh, by the way, just so you know, in the Louisville Bats game, no mascots were hurt during the course oh, of that game. That's a relief. You, that that story was very sad yesterday. You told about Buddy's Buddy. <laughs> Don't worry, kids. <laughs> buddy's that, sounds like buddy. a, that sounds like a Simpsons episode. Buddy's Buddy's on his way out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this little portly intern goes running out there to try to get the go-kart off of Buddy the Bat who flipped it in left field. <laughs> I hope little, that, that whoever was in that costume is okay to this day. His little wing was flat happening. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. just a dislocated shoulder. 
Yeah, it was a bit rough. Uh, Scott Agnes, by the way, Fieldhouse Files, Pacers Conversation, other side. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. In racing terms, the flags are crossed over, furled flags as we go across the yard of bricks right now because that means we are halfway home. Reach the halfway distance here on this Thursday edition of Kevin and Query. My name is Jake Query. Mark Dykton here as well. Sam Fritz running the board for us. Kevin Bowen back on Wednesday because we are actually going to be out on Monday and Tuesday to celebrate the Independence Day holiday back on Wednesday. Join How many us- PBRs are you going to have on that those that couple days? Oh, man. Enjoy it. Well, I've got, to, I've got to call the race at Mid-Ohio. It's oh. okay. You got after the race. That's right. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline, which, by the way, Payless Sickers is a great place to go buy your PBR or any of your beverages to get set for Independence Day. Um, Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files. Scott, I'm going to begin with this. As free agency, you know, the, the Pacers have an open spot on their roster. If if you, let's say that, that you win a contest and they say, good news, Scott Agnes, the player that the Pacers are going to sign in free agency for their open roster spot, you, Scott Agnes, get to move into that player's former home from where they're coming. The city in which you would have a new second home would be where? Oh, man. Uh, So I'm going to go via trade, and I'm going to go to Brooklyn is where I'm going. So you believe that would that be what, Cam Johnson? No, Dorian Finney-Smith. Okay. That's That's at least who they are trying to get up until the draft. So that's why I'm going going with uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. And it was probably just a nice little apartment, maybe a hotel, because he got traded midseason. So there's probably not much to that little loft there in Brooklyn. So he now obviously when you say trade, because he is not a free agent, right? So they have the open Correct. roster spot, and in lieu, in lieu of, I should say, signing a free agent, they still would make a move. And they have some future assets to be able to do that with that would not compromise current roster spots, right? They do. The, the challenge here, though, is you, you don't have all those draft picks that that were valuable. And so that makes this a lot more complicated. But for the sake of the game, that, that seemed to be the mo- most obvious um, a, a decision there because they were big fans of Dorian. I think his contract's great, three years, really two because of a player option in that final year. Um, so, But at least you know you have his control. He's over 30 for a couple years. Um, would would make for an ob- obvious marriage, I think, right there. Okay, now, in terms of current roster personnel that the Pacers have that they could potentially use as part of that trade, if you had to go to the home area of the player that the Pacers are sending <laughs> out to break the news to people, then you are buying a plane ticket to go where? Hmm. <sighs> Yeah, of the of the guys that are trying to be moved, you're probably looking at Chris Duarte. You're probably looking at Daniel Tice. 
Um, to me, those are the, the two mo- most likely candidates that would be outgoing. So you're flying to the Dominican and Germany. You're li- you're racking up some miles here for your Brooklyn flat. <laughs> Although Bo- Daniel's been all over, though, from Boston to Indy to, yeah, and he'll be in, he'll be in Germany, too, coming up for the World Cup. So that's a place I've never been, so I'd like to go. <laughs> Scott Agnes is costing us money for all this news he's got to give us. <laughs> Scott, you know, Duarte's an interesting case. Let's begin with that. Scott Agnes is our guest here. Kidding aside, Duarte's an interesting case because it does seem as though, for whatever reason, and, and you know, he was a really nice player as a rookie. When he's healthy, he has been a guy that can give you minutes. But for whatever reason, it fair or not, it just seems like He's kind of hit the ceiling in terms of Indiana. But does he have value elsewhere? Is he a guy that has shown enough in the NBA that there are other franchises that would say, you know what, we can give him a fresh start here and see what we can get out of him? Yeah, I think in a perfect situation, Jake, they would be able to start the season with him and see for themselves, quite frankly, what he looks like for two or three months. The challenge, though, is just look at the the depth right now on the roster and it's like all right so whose minutes is he getting and how how many and and is he really going to be able to help himself with those minutes so I would have concern personally that you know maybe would his would his value even decrease even further now he's entering year three of his rookie scale deal which is incredibly valuable for someone like him had a solid rookie season Last year, I really just throw out just because of injuries. was never able to kind of really get going. Um, so I don't even necessarily blame that or, um, you know, put that on him by any means. The challenge here, though, is they, they have so many people at that position, so many guys, that I don't know how he could get the minutes that he could then increase his value even more than it is right now, which is obviously lower than it was probably – at this, it absolutely is lower than it was this time last year. Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files joining Kevin and Query on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, talking about some free agency free agents that are available that don't need to be acquired via trade, Scott. Is Harrison <laughs> Barnes atop the Pacers free agent wish list? I keep hearing his name associated with them. Yeah, I think that's very real uh, for him to be up there. Um, there's that obvious connection between him and several individuals within the franchise. He could fit the role also of being a veteran on the roster. And right now, if they don't send anything out in a trade, they don't even have any free spots for one one of those veteran guys that we heard so much about last season. Um, and to end the year, they had James Johnson and George Hill. Um, I guess you could also include Daniel Tice among that bunch. But Harrison fills so many needs. He's so reliable, doesn't cause drama in the locker room, knows his role, can do so many different things on both ends of the floor that um, the the setup for Harrison that I think could be really appealing to both sides is they could really give him a, a, a bigger contract for this first year in particular. That's something I'm watching closely here. It's something a lot of us think about as the J.J. Reddick contract. It's uh, He got a one-year deal with Philadelphia that was – for $23 million about six years ago, and that doesn't seem that high today. But back then, that's about twice what he was probably valued at. But Philly had the cap space for the season. They had a roster spot. They had a lot of young guys. It was still very early in the, the process, and they needed, they needed a true pro, a guy that could contribute on and off the court. I could see the Pacers very much doing something similar. Therefore, um, 
easily having the the ability to go get the guy they wanted in free agency and being able to kind of outbid other teams. Another name I heard that kind of made me raise my eyebrows uh, was Mark Stein reporting that the Pacers are interested in uh, Miami's Max Struess, possibly signing him to a multi-year deal. Any any uh, rumblings you're hearing about that one, and how do you think he would fit with the Pacers? Yeah, I do not on that one, and my first indication on that is, one, this is way too loud for this Pacers franchise in terms of, like, a report getting out there. And, two, like, I don't see the fit. We They don't need another 6'5 guard. Like, that's literally I agree. what this roster is littered with. So, to me, that that doesn't quite add up in a variety of ways. I mean, now, in terms of fit, if it was legit, I mean, it, he's a – He's a four-year guy, so still kind of young, on the rise. He, he's basically like a Duarte in many respects, a, a Buddy Heald, a Ben Shepard. So, like, it just it's too repetitive to me for the for everything to add up in that respect. You know, Scott, the NBA is interesting because Scott Agnes is our guest on the Payload Sugars Hotline. He's from Fieldhouse Files. It's interesting to me, Scott, the, the NBA amongst – most leagues is the one that has when teams win a title especially of late the, it, it comes in bunches typically for them right I mean you see teams that maybe they don't win like three straight but they they have like little eras I mean the, it goes without saying the Pistons the Bulls the Celtics the Lakers the Warriors mm-hmm. you know the Heat whatever it might be to me in my lifetime and you got to go way back but when I was a little kid the Seattle Supersonics won an NBA title, and I think intermixed in there as well. The Washington Bullets won one like when I was in kindergarten. I have no recollection of those teams, and you never hear about them. You hardly ever hear about – I mean, you hear about Wes Unseld, obviously, right? That that 79 team with Seattle, I, Lenny Wilkins coached them. I know that. I, Dennis Johnson played there, but I'm like, okay. Which of the two teams, if based on the way today's NBA structure is, and I know that they have megastars right now, but the two teams, Milwaukee and Denver, is it possible that either one of those are going to be the one that 40 years from now people are going to look at and go, wait a minute, Milwaukee won? When, how did Denver win a title? Or do we now have the foundation with those franchises that they can pick up a few more of them to validate their title? Yeah, I, I think it's more the latter because both are, are in prime position. Now, Milwaukee has a few things they got to check off when you talk about free agency with a Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, um, certain things like that. I, I think Denver is is more likely than Milwaukee right now to get another title just because of having, having Jokic, having the players that they do and under the certain contracts right now. Milwaukee was the oldest team in the league last year. So – they're having to make adjustments. And, little and that was before George Hill left, right? I'm sorry, say that again, Jake? You said they were the oldest team in the league. And keep in mind, I mean, George Hill was with them, and, you know, he comes oh, yeah. here. I mean, so that's before that even, right? Exactly. Yeah, 100%. And and you know things weren't in a great spot when they, they wipe out and do an entire new coaching staff as well during the offseason. So we don't know how that's going to pan out. I think of, of those two, Milwaukee – has the more of a chance to be more forgettable. You won't forget about Giannis. You won't forget that he won a title. But I, I think you could forget about how important Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton were to that group. Um, 
But I, I think this Nuggets team is really going to have a, a real chance to compete for another one in the next three years for sure. And I and I really like how the front office there kind of doubled down and, and kind of advanced some of their assets from the future and got them more present day so that they can help the, this current group um, much more so than like a 2029 first-round pick. You know, how much is that really going to help Jokic down the road? Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files joining us on Kevin and Query on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Uh, Scott, the Pacers Summer League roster came out, and I kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit because I saw Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhard, and Isaiah Jackson participating in the Summer League. Is that something they discussed with the team that they agreed on, that they wanted some extra reps? Uh, what are we going to be expecting from those three guys in the Summer League rotation? Yeah, that would definitely be something that was agreed upon or asked to do um, and certain things like that. The other thing is, to know like those players it's not like there's an additional salary or a bonus for taking part in this the only thing they're getting is per diem transportation meals to you know those sorts of things now in terms of the roster like will they actually play in the game i think that we'll see i i wouldn't expect more than a game or two from those older i was about to say veterans no they're not even close to veterans but veterans for a summer league um roster although uh, you do see some NBA teams go really bold and, like, actually bring in veterans. Like, Michael Beasley, as a 30-year-old, was on, like, a Clippers summer league team, which is crazy. But um, I, for for Matherin and Nemhard, I they're not expected to play with Team Canada this summer um, in the World Cup. I see this as those two just wanting to play, wanting to get more reps, wanting to make the, the most out of this huge summer. Isaiah Jackson having a lot to prove. I think it's, it'll be very – fun to see uh, in practice what he looks like with Jarris Walker and maybe him being on this team helps inform us a little bit about how the Pacers feel about Isaiah, his, his short term future um, with this team. And I just mean short term in terms of the rest of his contract um, right now. And then, the, yeah, it, I, I just, I think it would be great to be able to see him maybe for a game or two, but I, I got a lot of quote retweets uh, after the roster came out and was like, here's your summer league champions or look at this roster. It's like, I highly doubt that three or four of these guys will play more than a couple of games. Like you're looking at Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard. If those guys get to the third game, I think everyone should be happy. I doubt they play in game four and game five, just because that's typically how it's handled for these stars. I'd like to see Victor Wembanyama more than one game. I think he'll play one, maybe two out in, uh, Vegas, but that's that's what it looks like for for Las Vegas. I mean, I'm not complaining if I'm Matherin or Nemhard. You get a trip out to Vegas and you get per diem and all well, that stuff. Hell yeah, Scott. I wanted to ask up. you this: You've been to summer league, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. How does because I had somebody ask me this, and I'm like, you know, I have no idea. I've only been to summer league. It was years ago. I went to the summer league in Minnesota. The big story was Artest and Jonathan Bender were playing in it, so <laughs> I actually went up and covered it. That shows you how long ago it was. For fans, if you were a fan of the Indiana Pacers and you and a couple guys are like, let's go to Vegas for three days and take in some games, how, and you may not know the answer to this, Scott, so I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but how does ticketing work? I mean, do you, can you buy tickets for it? Is it just like one session? Do you have to buy individual games? Do you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, first of all, highly recommend that to any basketball fan, even if, like, uh, you know, it's not just for the Pacers. I would highly recommend doing that. I would also go at the very beginning of Summer League because of what I just mentioned. Is that's the most likely chance to see your full roster, to see the stars. Um, the Friday night slate, which is opening night on July 7th, 
will have an incredible matchups with, you know, Victor Wimbignano in San Antonio against Brandon Miller in Portland. Um, the nightcap, you'll have the Warriors with Trace against Jalen Hood-Shafino and the Lakers. In terms of, like, ticketing, they, they sell both advanced tickets um, and you and depending on which when you're going. Like, if it's the nightcap Friday night, I'm sure those seats are already sold out. Um, but if it's, like, next month, the first Monday, you can just show up. I think it's about $45 at the box office. And the thing is, while that price sounds high, Jake, that gets you in all day. So there's like 14 games across a whole day. And so you you can't it. buy like an all league pass, right? I, I'm I'm not aware of an all all tournament. Let's call it pass. Um, anything like that. But if you just bought like three days, it's probably costing you 100 less than 150 bucks for 40 games over three days, both gyms. And and when you're going from gym to gym, by the way, Jake. You might bump into John Calipari and a popular agent that you might know of, and maybe a Pacer scout is walking by in his in his team gear. And then you know that that's the other thing that you might have a chance of of running into um, because so many NBA person, Fred Jones, Eddie Gill of the Pacers, have been out there before that that are just wandering around that you might. Um, bump into while you're going between gyms. So I would highly recommend that for any basketball fan. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And stay at an MGM property because that's where they stay, the teams in general. So, I mean, yeah, I would definitely recommend all of that. By the way, I, I overheard yesterday a contest taking place, I won't say where, on coming up with names, nicknames for Victor Webb and Yama. Do you want to know the one that I think was by far the best? I would, yeah. The franchise. Mm. That's solid. That's solid, isn't it? That's got the only stick, thing right? I, I like that as a, a a general nickname. The trouble is like a reference nickname to like bring him on a show. You're not going to announce. Yo, we got the franchise. You know, I, if it needs to be quick and shorter, I think. Right. I think that's why most people lean on just like Victor, Vic, and Wimby. Um, when Web Antonio, as they said on uh, the ESPN telecast. <laughs> Come on, really? Yeah. yeah, that's a bit much. That, yeah, I would agree. I think the franchise is – I think it works. Steve Francis was Stevie Franchise. I mean, come on, right? I feel like if you say the franchise, though, they're, they're, people are just going to think you flubbed the word franchise. Or French fries. That could be, too. You know, they're freedom fries, actually. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Fun fact that you may not know, Jake. Jan Mahimi, the former Pacer, he owns multiple Steak and Shake franchises. See, there I did it. Multiple franchises over in France. Really? Yeah. Now, he's a big fashionista, right? Huge, yes. Has his own fashion line. Did not know that. He was a cool dude, actually. Pretty cool. One dude. of the best, yeah. One of the greatest, nice humans. Just, yeah, he, very so, pure. So how did he get involved in, like, the food business? I My understanding is he liked the steak and shake here and wanted to bring it over there. Now, so cl- why, clearly, so his time in Indianapolis influenced it. Entirely. So basically, what we're getting at is, if you want to go to Steak and Shake, you don't have to. You, you can't go to Nora anymore. You got to go to France. Is that right? Did he did yeah, he put in the initial ten thousand dollar investment and then he gets sixty percent of the proceeds? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's, that's pretty so awesome. disappointing, Jake. Too, because that's where I went after being a North Central guy. That's where I went after every football game. Oh, are like, you kidding? The, the eighty six Shake on. Come on. I, I mean, a part of me died. Right. I I drove past yeah. him. Like, are you kidding, Scott? I'm not kidding you. There was a time in my life where I literally thought to myself, you know, 
like people come and go in your life, jobs come and go in your life, pets come and go in your life. At least I know I'll always have the Nora Steak and Shake. I literally thought that at one, I was like, there's no way this place could, could ever, ever, ever go out of business. And then I have no idea what happened, but I, I drove, maybe that's, maybe I wasn't going there enough. Clearly wasn't paying attention, but I drove past and I'm like, it's gone. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. I'm the same way. And even more concerning is I, I just found out like two weeks ago driving past. So I don't even know how long it's been closed. Well, that's clearly, clearly, Scott, we're the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't believe, like, you know, that place was so popular, nobody went there anymore. I wonder what happened. Yeah, okay. No, Now, what about Patties of Jamaica, Scott, as a North Central guy? I would assume you also are in the, the loop on uh, Patties of Jamaica, right? I am not. No, I remember seeing one of your posts, and oh, I, I texted you about it, and was like, I need to go through there. That's okay, like five well. minutes from where I grew up, but, but I still have not made it there, no. Okay, well, it's nice to have you on for the last time. Oh, man. Patty's in Jamaica, 52nd Allisonville. Stefan, it is the greatest. I've been past there no less than a thousand times, and that's not an exaggeration. I'm telling you, I, everybody listening to this right now, today for lunch, needs to go to. Matter of fact, I just might meet people there. Who who the hell wants to go to Patty's in Jamaica today and have lunch? You want to go, Mark? Uh, no, I'm busy. I anybody. Gotta, anybody I, would, I would go. I've got to watch Somebody the girls, text though. me right now. If you want to go to Patty's in Jamaica and have lunch today at noon, it's 52nd Allisonville is the best i'm telling you like we can have lunch for three bucks you'll and you you will say to yourself this is the greatest thing i've ever had in my life text me right now and if, if one person texts me i'll meet them at patties of jamaica at noon today there you go everybody has my number right scott agnes thanks for joining us for the nba free agency talk and for talking about steak and shakes of steak and shakes of your that was uh nice to nice to reminisce about that appreciate the time <laughs> as always is. man yeah thank you guys I'm telling you Five two three ninety two eighty eight. If somebody is serious, I'll meet him at Patty's right. Jamaica today. So, someone give Jake a lunch date today. Scott Agnes Fieldhouse Files. It's always the best. appreciate him jumping on. And we've got ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. I can't believe you've never had it. <laughs> I've never had it. ESPN's Jeremy How Fowler. How long have you been a communist? Oh, a long time. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler joins us in 10 minutes. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. You're listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It's 9 o'clock in Indianapolis. Technically, it is 9 o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query. Mark Dykton here as well. Kevin Bowen back on Wednesday when we come back from the couple of days off for Independence Day holiday. Sam Fritz running the big board for us. We've been talking a lot this morning about the situation with the Colts, Isaiah Rogers. Uh, the ESPN report yesterday that, that kind of went along with what we've been saying uh, and ESPN has been saying for a couple of weeks. Joining us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline, appreciate his time in doing so, a senior NFL reporter for ESPN Jeremy Fowler joins us, and Jeremy, it's going to sound like actually I am nitpicking the ESPN report or questioning it. I, I want to make clear up front that is not the case. Um, you know, we're all kind of searching for clarity, if you will, which I think will probably come together here soon. So let me begin by asking this. I, I know that you guys yesterday had reported that Isaiah Rogers is the only name in terms of the players that are about to be hit by the end of the week, it appears, by the NFL. Is that because that's the only one that, that has been definitively um, 
labeled because he himself came out? In other words, do you have the other names, or are we waiting on that still? Well, I can't say for certain, uh, since it's not my report, but I, I can say that uh, you know, typically if you have the names confirmed, um, it could have been included in one place, uh, I would imagine. So uh, in this case, it might be a scenario where since Roger's name was already out there, it was known um, based on reports uh, that he was being investigated by the NFL, that that one was a little more clear cut. So I, I don't know who knows about the others. I know there are a handful. I think it'll probably be about four players. Um, it's kind of the, the early word that I've heard. We'll see if that's true or not, but uh, it, it will be more than two, I imagine. Do we know, and my apologies, Jeremy, if this was already out there and I missed this aspect of it, um, have there been other – do we know what other teams that, that may be involved? Not yet. Not yet. I think by the end of the week we'll get that clarity. Jeremy, it sounds like Isaiah Rogers uh, from Adam Schefter's report is going to have like a mere suspension to Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley, when he was pinched, was away from the team – and uh, only bet on a handful of games. Uh, it, it seems like, from what we've heard with Isaiah Rogers, that he's actually bet on Colts games that he participated in. Now, is is that something where the NFL is actually going to come down when this news does become official? It's going to be a more weighted suspension, or is it just going to be a wait-and-see approach with the one-year suspension, and they'll have to apply for reinstatement? It could be that. that. That certainly could be an avenue, and that's typically a precedent that the NFL has set, that you have to go through a process. Uh, to get reinstated and you have to meet with the commissioner and it's sort of like a, a formal interview. And I, I think the comparison with Ridley is more just to to note the severity um, where, you know, the Detroit Lions players or Jameson Williams was a little bit of a different scenario where they got, I believe, six games um, where, you know, if you bet to a certain point or attempt to bet, then that, that warrants the year-long suspension. I'm not sure in this case if it's going to be more severe or not, but, but Ridley is the most noteworthy uh, that's been a lengthy suspension. So I think that was just more of a touch point. Yeah, I think my concern, if I'm Isaiah Rogers, Jeremy, and I want you to tell me if you think I'm off base, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN is our guest. You know, life oftentimes when it comes to penalties or even in the NFL, whatever it might be, is based sometimes on precedent to give you kind of a baseline of what you're dealing with. And I think the NFL tried to make the statement with Calvin Ridley, of like, look, this is serious business. I mean, yes, we might be aligned with some of these apps, but – this is serious business. So he was suspended for the year, and that was for wagering on the the league itself, but doing so while not within the facility or around his team because Ridley had injury. In Rogers' case, he's not only in the facility, he's on the field of the games allegedly in which he is involved. Does it not seem that at that point the NFL has to then take the precedent and even further increase the penalty to escalate the example they're trying to make? Well, potentially, if you're working on a sliding scale, that would be more severe in that case, especially if you're in the building or on the field. So um, they, it, it's, it's pretty clear that the league is trying to um, – they've had to make some adjustments on this. They're, re, they're reinforcing the rules that have remained the same, but there is a feeling that players didn't quite know – uh, and weren't quite educated enough to, to understand some of the nuances. So now that is clear cut. Where before we had to make an example, we'll see if they feel the need to have to do that again. Where they're kind of navigating, uh, you know, like whether all the players understood based on the rollout. I, I think that they did. You know, most teams I talked to believe that. Um, you know, it was pretty clear cut. But 
Yeah, in this in this case, certainly uh, with Isaiah Rogers, um, a year seems like a baseline, and then we'll we'll see where it goes. But um, yeah, it, it seems pretty severe. I feel like Jeremy, and this is maybe me overthinking it, and and we don't know one another. But if you knew me, you'd go, "Well, yeah, dude, you overthink everything, right?" But but part of me feels like the NFL has to have this anxiety over these things propping up because in the back of their minds there has to be the thought process of don't make us look any further than we have to because we're afraid of what we might overturn. Am I overthinking that? You're saying the the league is asking players not to make them have to look that deep? I'm saying I would think that deep down the league has to have a fear that this might actually be something that the more they look, they're going to find out that they have a much bigger problem than they initially thought, and that this is well, that you you could under you could you could find this. And I'm that sounds like I'm saying with Isaiah Rogers, like ah, don't worry about it. Like this happens all the time. That's it's the antithesis. What I'm saying though is it it just feels like it could be this spider web of where and how do you police it. Well, I think that's why the league is trying to get ahead of it because they're concerned about that spiral or they're concerned about widespread gambling. Um, it's, it's a difficult process where, you know, I, I talked to uh, one player agent yesterday. It's like you're having to sort of decipher with your particular players, though, like, hey, you know, you can gamble on another sport if you're away from the facility down the block at a coffee shop. But if you have one foot in your facility and you're gambling on that same Sport, whether it's basketball or gymnastics, you know, non-football, then you're in trouble, and then you're suspended. So, um, it, it's it's you know, certainly everybody knows you don't don't bet on football, especially in your building. Uh, but some of the other sort of gray area players are still trying to figure out. Um, so that's why I think the league is trying to reinforce it, which it did earlier this month, to to be as clear as possible because it seems like for some players it wasn't clear the first time. Um, yeah, I, I do sense that. They know they're going to have to um, – there's going to be a Band-Aid put on this right now with, with some of these suspensions that, that are happening that um, they're hopeful enough messages are sent where uh, maybe if, if there is a lot of widespread gambling somewhere that those behaviors will start to change. Uh, someone just asked this. It's a fair question, Jeremy. Do you believe that Isaiah Rogers in any way by – you know, Isaiah Rogers, speaking of getting ahead of it, whether his agent was thrilled by this or not, I don't know. But he he did exactly that. I mean, as soon as his name was linked, he came out on social media and said, "Listen, I did some things I'm not proud of. I apologize." He was pretty candid in it. Does yeah. that, in any way, shape, or form, give leniency towards his penalty? Mm, possibly, possibly. Um, certainly, the league appreciates contrition in a lot of cases. You know, where if you fight it. Um, that could show lack of remorse, which um, doesn't really help the case, I think, especially when it seems like the evidence is probably pretty clear-cut. So we'll see, but it's going to be severe regardless, and uh, you know, especially with, with with kind of him, based on reports, following the textbook uh, manual of what not to do with the NFL's gambling policy. So 2023 was supposed to be Isaiah Rogers' final year of his deal with the Colts. Does that contract with the suspension just become frozen and it'll carry over into next season and that'll be his last year with the Colts? Or is it kind of like, how, do, how does that work exactly? I'm not sure if you, you even know, but I just wanted to get some clarification on that. 
Yeah, essentially that contract would toll, so he would still be under the team's jurisdiction in 2024. Uh, that's typically how these work. I think with the gambling policy, it would fall under all NFL suspensions uh, as far as the contractual nature of it. So, Jeremy, um, as you best understand it, Jeremy Fowler is our guest. He's a senior NFL writer for ESPN. Uh, to put a bow tie on it, as you best understand it or your anticipation, you believe that we will get more clarity and perhaps more names from the NFL on this win? Well, uh, as you know, tomorrow is Friday. And around 5 p.m. on Friday is typically when news happens in some major <laughs> leagues. So, um, That's a good call it there. Shock me if, it would not shock me if we get the Friday 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. news dump. Uh, so... But not a guarantee. You know, I think it's one of those things where it's expected. But if it's not finalized, then it might still need more time. I just don't know uh, exactly where it stands. But I know this is something that the league has, has been working on, and, and it seems poised for release. Speaking of precedent, Jeremy, that is spoken like a true veteran, right? Well, 5 o'clock on a Friday typically is when these things come about, mm-hmm. right? No doubt. Don't call it a news dump for anything else. But. That's right. Uh, Jeremy, I want to spin away from Isaiah Rogers, but stick with the Colts. Uh, the Jonathan Taylor situation is an interesting one that's popping up. He seems to be uh, wanting a new extension with the Colts. Uh, have you heard anything about what he's looking for or what the Colts are comfortable with? What, what, is it, what are we looking at when it comes to a Jonathan Taylor contract extension? Well, yeah, they've had some preliminary talks, and certainly the Colts like to try to keep their own key players. Um, they aren't in a major rush. You know, past deals they've done with uh, Shaquille Leonard, I was going to call him Darius, but Shaquille Leonard, Quentin Nelson happened in August, either in training camp or after. And the deadline of the regular season is sort of uh, a baseline here. The running back market is tough because, you know, the players that got $14, $15 million a year on a deal fairly recently, and one of those players is Dalvin Cook, who was released uh, by his team. And so, the money hasn't been there even for good players out in free agency right now. So I, I don't know how many teams are eager to give top dollar uh, to a running back, even a good one. Uh, however, you know, the Colts, they, they're very big on homegrown players getting rewarded, keeping those guys. And I think they can probably find a sweet spot. You know, the Nick Chubb contract comes to mind because he, <coughs> excuse me, did, didn't have uh, the big average per year. I think it was 12 million something. Uh, but he had three years and a lot of guarantees. So maybe they can do something like that, a three- or four-year deal that's not a huge average per year, but they can at least have a good structure to it that that satisfies the player. Jeremy, I'm always interested in this for our listeners. Um, And without, like, like, this is going to be, like, one of those things in school where, like, you say a word and and you have to give, like, the first thing, the first reactionary thing that comes to your mind, right? When – we know during the Peyton Manning era, during the Andrew Luck era, you know, the Indianapolis Colts were an an epicenter NFL team. I mean, there was a lot of attention about them. That You know, you'd go on the road and there would be fans at the visiting stadiums that would be there early to watch Peyton working out, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the NFL, in terms of relevance, has ebb and flows. Every franchise is relevant, obviously, because it's the 800-pound gorilla. But in, in the NFL world itself, in 2023 – in terms of overall relevance, competitiveness, level of, of times that you got to check in on them, it, the roster, their sexiness, all things put together. Give me the two franchises that you, in your mind, lump together as synonymous when you think of the Indianapolis Colts 
the the sister franchises you think of are blank. Go. Sister franchises to the Colts right now or traditionally? Right now. Oof. So I need to find a middle of the road team with modest values <laughs> uh, and well known. Eh, Steelers is too strong. I would say maybe the Chargers. Okay. Good, not good, not great. You know, good, good roster. Maybe underachieved in some spots. Um, that's a tough question. Saints, a little bit. Not Team bad. Sort of Titans for a quarterback the last few years post Drew Brees. Titans being there. Yeah, maybe. Hey, Titans have had some playoff success though, you know. Yes, yeah, he. I love the Colts have had enough hey. of that. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jeremy, people here, and that's what's funny about it, and this is true of every franchise, so I'm not picking on people, but you know, people in Indy think that like the Colts are still the straw mix in the NFL's drink, and I'm like, eh. No, no. <laughs> well, Jeremy. No, I'll, say, I'll say this, though. You know, I did my training camp trips late August, early August, uh, late July, early August, and I wasn't going to go to the Midwest in Indianapolis, but because of Anthony Richardson, I'm very tempted to change my direction. Is that because uh, you think he's going to be? Is that because you think he's going to be a great player? Is that because you were intrigued by how high he was drafted, or is that because you don't know which way to look at that? Well, probably all of the above. I mean, I think I just I want to find out what he could be right now and, and what he could be uh, three years from now. So. It's, it's, I mean, the ceiling is massive. You know, you talk to other coaches around the league, they're like, the, you know, the guy's ridiculous. So, um, it's it's really interesting. Jeremy, you brought up the Titans. Uh, what's going on with DeAndre Hopkins? He's been released by the Cardinals. He had a visit with the Patriots, and he's visited with the Titans, but it's been pretty quiet ever since. Have you heard anything in, in regards to DeAndre Hopkins and for Dalvin Cook, for that matter? Well, DeAndre Hopkins is still weighing his options, kind of put a reset up here, made those visits. Um, you know, he's got strong interest from the Titans and Patriots. Those are still under consideration as far as I understand. I know there is mutual interest with the Patriots that that went well. Um, but I think he's going to wait closer to training camp. You know, there's certainly going to be some other interest that could get in the mix. So why not wait to see who steps up? Dalvin Cook's in the same boat. I don't think he's going to take any free agency visits. I think he's probably at this point going to wait until after the franchise tag because he has three running backs that are on the tag, and if they get long-term deals, that sort of changes the comps uh, for contracts. And you know, AFC East is sort of one to watch here, and the Dolphins, the Jets, both those teams have looked into Dalvin, and uh, you know, the Patriots too, I believe. Jeremy Fowler's work is, of course, seen on ESPN as an ESPN staff writer and, again, senior football writer covering the NFL. Jeremy, a pleasure, and appreciate the time, and certainly enjoy – Central Indiana when you come to check out Anthony Richardson during camp. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Interesting stuff. I think he's right about Friday. Friday at 5 o'clock all of a sudden. Yeah, I was thinking news dump on Friday or right when the MLB's in the middle of their All-Star game they would announce it just to completely cover it up. Kind of like got the Friday makes a lot of sense. You got the holiday, the long holiday weekend yeah, for a lot of yeah. folks. That means that not only are you dumping it on a Friday, but most shows aren't going to be talking about it well, till about, Wednesday. How about so the the fourth is what day? Tuesday. The fourth is Tuesday. Oh yeah, so like Monday afternoon, Monday mm-hmm. at five. I mean, I say you do it Friday because, like I said, then you got Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and then that it's yeah. Like but I think a lot of places are around point. on Monday. If you do it Monday at five, it's like 
Yeah, you're probably right. Or Sunday. Sunday yeah, morning. how many people are tuning in on sports radio on the 3rd or sports TV in general on, the, on July 3rd on a Monday morning or Monday afternoon? I'm, I, little, I'm, I'm thinking Friday makes a I'm lot a of sense. I'm a little concerned at how many are on June 29th. <laughs> I'll have one person who wants to meet me for Jamaican patties at noon. So is it Jamaican food? Is that what it is? I, I've never been, so I don't know what it is. You're giving me a face, but I've never been, so I have no idea what the menu when menu okay. consists of. Here's the thing on patties of Jamaica. Jamaican patties are a cuisine that I, I, I would assume that you get in Jamaica. I don't know if it's really Jamaican. You know how, like, I, I think people think that if you go to I – I have a buddy that lived in Shanghai, China, which he feels very comfortable um, – with the sky the last few days here he's it's like he's back in shanghai but he was like look man we don't have like kung pao chicken in china he's like that's an americanized chinese dish i don't think this is an americanized jamaican dish i think it is a legitimately authentic jamaican food but the thing that is fabulous about patties of jamaica at 52nd and allisonville when i was growing up those of us that went to eastwood and north central and for that matter guys that went to chatard cathedral a lot of the northeast side folks knew of Patties of Jamaica, which is in the strip mall at 52nd Allisonville. And the guy that ran it was Jamaican. His name was Henry. Mm-hmm. And Henry was a first-generation American who grew up in Jamaica and always, always, always was smiling and in a good mood and would always welcome you with, hello, my friend. Everybody that came in was my friend. Hello, my friend. Oh, my friend. Always laughing, always in a good mood. And the restaurant itself was like two tables, one cooler that had can soda and then you buy and in the back you would see henry sitting on his bench making the patties and and one television that always had on like channel four like andy griffith or whatever was on in the back and the the patties themselves the best way i can describe it is if you were to take a pita bread like a pocket Uh uh-huh that has a slight cheesy flavor to the dough very slight, though. Very subtle. I don't even know if you would say it's a cheese, but it has kind of a sweet taste to it. Then the ins- the pocket is then closed and baked. I think it's baked. And the inside of it is a subtly, almost like a brown sugar spiced Jamaican curried meat. Hmm. I don't know if it's ground beef or if it's goat meat, to be honest with you, but it's fabulous. It, they used to be when I was a kid. They were seventy five cents a piece. I think now they're a buck fifty, buck twenty five maybe. But two of them is sufficient. Three is more than sufficient for a meal. So it's a very inexpensive meal. But but it is like the typical like guy grub. Like when I was in middle school, high school, whatever, we would go there and you'd get like a craving for it and be like, who wants to go get patties? And we'd all go after school or whatever. And Henry'd be like, oh my friend, you know, he knew all of us. And that was true of everybody that walked through the door. And you get kind of this mix. The other thing that's beautiful about it is you get kind of this mix of different people from different walks, like painters or, you know, whatever, the 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 mom that's driving the kids to school, you know, to, to practice. And there's only the two tables in there. So you kind of have to sit like in community tables and you're sitting with strangers and eating and talking and everybody's having a patty. And then in addition to that, Henry unfortunately passed away probably 10 years ago, and his son, Stefan, who is brilliant and was the salutatorian at North Central and then went to Purdue, Stefan now runs patties, uh-huh. and his dad's picture's on the wall, and you go in and Stefan's like, ah, oh, my friend, and it's, it's didn't miss a beat, mm-hmm. and it's, just, it's awesome. Huh. Everything about it, it everything about patties is awesome.
I'll have to try it sometime. Haven't tried it yet, but I will make it a point to to get out there at some Maybe point. Maybe I'll bring show. you some in someday. Oh, that'd be good. Following morning or something, reheat that in the microwave or something. That'd be good. I'm telling you. You can buy them frozen also. Oh, okay. Frozen well, patties. Go. All right. Pop quiz coming up, 239-1070. Before that, morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Major League Baseball history last night. Only the 24th time in the history of the American pastime did a pitcher throw a perfect game. It happened against the Oakland Athletics, and it happened with Domingo Herman throwing perfect game. He threw nine innings. He struck out nine. He threw 99 pitches. Nine times, or nine divided by 99 is... Wait, what did you say? 11. Correct, which is the number of runs the Yankees scored. Yeah, they beat go. the Athletics 11 nothing. You've been asking me night. way too much math this morning. Yeah, that's what I do, right? I'm, I'm all about the numbers. If you're wondering how the final out sounded, we've got it right here for you. Here is Estieri Ruiz. As the bitch is swung on, hit on one hop to Donaldson. Donaldson to first. He has done it. Domingo Herman has won the 24th perfect game in Major League history. That is courtesy of NBC Sports Network last night as the Yankees again beating the Athletics. Uh, A's dropped to just 29 games back within their own division. Elsewhere in Major League Baseball, Phillies over the Cubs 8-5 last night. Matt Painter was there at the game, I think. Was he? Pirates over the Padres 7-1. Brewers over the Mets 5-2. It was Rockies over the Dodgers 9-8. White Sox 11-5 winners over the Angels. Guardians 14-1 over the Kansas City Royals. And the Cincinnati Reds last night, great game. They, um, they were tied at 7 Reds in the ninth got runners on the corners with nobody out. Baltimore got out of it. Gabe went into extra innings, and then the Reds took advantage in the 10th inning by scoring four runs to go up 11-7 and then closing things out. They win the series against Cute Fella. The Diamondbacks, did the Diamondbacks play? Uh, three, yeah. two losers to the Rays. Led the game 2 nothing most of the time, and then the Rays put up a three yeah, spot in the ninth. They seem too concerned about your PBR. It was pretty disappointing, to be, to be quite frank. Pretty disappointing. Uh, Louisville Bats beat the Indianapolis Indians. Seven to six, a walk-off solo home run by Henry Ramos. Swish. Thank you. <laughs> in the WNBA tonight, the Fever get back in action. They're wrapping up their three-game road trip. They'll ho- they'll take on the Phoenix Mercury. Tip-off at ten o'clock. That game on NBA TV tonight. Now, just out of curiosity, when the Phoenix Mercury play the Connecticut oh, no. Sun, do they call that some sort of a celestial matchup? Oh, boy. I mean, I realize the mercury is named for the, the what goes in the thermometer, uh-huh. right? Yeah. As opposed to the planet. Right. But I'm just saying. I mean, it's it's worth I asking, thought you were going right? to do like a temperature joke there. Just, no. Does Pluto show up? I don't know. That's probably a Disney your... copyright infringement, I would imagine. Do you like Pluto or Goofy better? Goofy. Really? Yeah. What do you got against Pluto? He doesn't do anything. What Goofy, does Goofy is... do? Goofy's silly. Goofy's funny. He's got. Did the, I tell you this? What I figured the out the other day. Oh yuck! I, I figured this out the other day. I think did I share this on the air by Epiphany about Tom and Jerry? What about Tom and Jerry? I didn't realize this. Sam, do you know Tom and Jerry? I'm familiar. Yes. Do you know like the 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 deep dive Freudian like philosophical breakdown of Tom and Jerry? No. Tom and Jerry. For those that are unfamiliar, I'm talking about Tom and Jerry, the cartoon from probably the 40s or 50s. Uh, Tom is the cat. Jerry is the mouse. Uh-huh. They're actually best friends. 
They're best friends because somebody figured out, like, after like 25 years of Tom and Jerry, that the only time that they chase one another or have any sort of negative hijinks about one another is when the human is in the room. When the human's not in the room, they get along. But Tom knows that his job is to catch Jerry. And he's afraid that if he doesn't let the owner see that he's trying to catch Jerry, that the owner will replace him with a cat that will actually kill Jerry. Mm. So they put on the facade for the owner. And then when the owner's not around, they're buddies. Like there was one episode apparently like halfway through the blue people's mind where they, the, the, the owner replaced Tom with a new cat. And so they realized what was going on. So Tom and Jerry worked behind the scenes to frame said cat and said cat was like sent back to the shelter. And then they brought Tom back and he and Jerry like had a beer together. Well, that is a fascinating dive into Tom and Jerry that I Scott Johnson has a look on his face now where he is actually thinking to himself, that's the most incredible epiphany I've ever heard. He walked in on the conversation midway through, and he's probably, what am I I doing? I can tell you right now, there are people that are driving in their car right now, and tonight, you know what they're going to say at dinner? And that's what we do on this program. People will go home tonight and at the dinner table. I guarantee you, somebody at the dinner table today is going to go, you know, I turned on the radio to listen to sports, and this guy said the most fascinating thing. Let me share with you a little nugget. And then now, now nobody sits at the dinner table anymore but if they did then they would have an entire conversation about tom and jerry and the fact that they're actually best friends and they were putting on a facade so that they can continue their friendship that worked out for both matthew in the chat just said so query and schultz are basically tom and jerry that's 100 percent accurate <laughs> no that's not true at all pop quiz is next 239-1070 go five for five get a jiffy lube oil change kevin and query 93.5-1075 the fan Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Pop quiz time on Kevin and Query, 239-1070. This is like assuming that people have overcome the shock of the Tom and Jerry revelation. Oh, they probably pulled over in their cars and they can't I'm even get you, on with their day. I'm telling you, people are going to say, they're going to say, like, you know, I was listening to the radio today and this guy said something interesting and they're going to end up talking about it. I'm telling you. Okay. I'll take your By word the way, for somebody it. asked me um, two things about Jamaica patties. Uh, what sort of toppings are available? What are the sides? Well, they do have... Um, it used to be just patties. They do have like a, um, some sort of a meat and, and rice dish that you can get, uh, in terms of the toppings, they only have one. There's a spicy kind of a ketchup spice that you dip it in that's available. Um, what kind of meat am I eating? If it's lamb, like a hero, I might check it out, but I'm leery about eating goat. That, that fair, fair point. I'm pretty sure it's ground beef, actually. Pretty sure it's ground beef. So there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, callers one through eight, Jake, pick a number. Seven. Sam, who do we have? Seven is Ed. Ed, what's up, man? How you doing this morning? Hey, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, uh, Mark, I wanted to tell you, thank you. I had won the tickets to the Jason Bottom show, and you fixed me up, and it was an excellent show, excellent night. Oh, thank you. Now, when was that, uh-huh. Ed? Uh, a few months ago, down to Marat. As a matter of fact, if I see you in the Indians game, I'll buy you a beer batter. Too. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> yes, sir. Ed, uh, you've called the program before, right? Yes, sir. Have you played Get to Know Your Listener? We've had wild success with this. It's one of our more popular segments. Really, it's our only segment. Uh, but 
have you played before? Yes, sir. Oh, you have. Okay. Um, yeah, Jim, we were. Me and you was gonna go have a beer. I gave you a, a weather report for a close training camp last year. It was pouring down rain, and they moved it inside. When, when are we having our beer? Did we not have our beer yet? No, we haven't. You've been too busy. Mm, um, that sounds about right. Wait, I've been too busy, or you've been too busy? No, you have, sir. Well, mm-hmm. actually, Ed, I appreciate it, but I'm not busy at all. I, Your month of May was pretty busy. Ed, you, my month of May is busy. That is correct. You have my number, right, Ed? No, sir. Well, do you have a pen and paper handy? Yes, I do. All right, here you go. You're going to write down my number. It's 317. Okay. And then 523. Okay. 9288. So as I always yeah. tell people, just consider uh, that – um, May 23rd, if you can remember that, and then Alan Sir Jr. and Rick Mears, 92 and 88, 523-9288. Um, I don't know what side of town you're on, Ed, but if you text me sometime, I'll meet you out for a PBR. Yes, sir. I'm uh, I'm working in Carmel, so now you, I, I'm available to meet you at your convenience. You can't call me sir, though. That makes me feel old and official, and I'm neither. I'm, a, I'm, I'm older than you. It's just a sign of respect. Oh, I well – the the respect the respect is reciprocated, Ed. So much appreciated. Uh, would you like for me that would be Jake to lead you off with question one, or would you like for Mark to lead you off with question number one, Ed? Mark's never let me down, sir. Oh. There I go again, sir. Man, Ed. <laughs> Ed is number one in my heart right now. All right, Ed. Here we go. On this day in 1994, Purdue's Glenn Big Dog Robinson was taken with the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. Who drafted the Big Dog? Was it the Dallas Mavericks, Milwaukee Bucks? Detroit Pistons or Minnesota Timberwolves? Milwaukee Bucks. Let's start. All right, Ed, question number two. Domingo Herman threw the 24th perfect game in Major League Baseball history last night, the fourth perfect game in New York Yankee history. The most perfectos by any franchise, considering the Knicks have, or the Yankees, excuse me, have one in every six. Name the team that was tied with the Yankees with three perfect games in franchise history before last night when the Yankees, of course, took the sole lead. Were they previously tied with the Reds, the Angels, the White Sox, or the Dodgers franchises? I got to stick with my Reds. What about if I said uh, same accessory of fashion but different color? Considering they were originally the Red Legs. Right. Uh... Angels, White Sox, or Dodgers? Got to go with the Dodgers. All right, Ed. Two MLB franchises have been on the losing streak, the losing end of perfect games three times in history. One is the Tampa Tampa Bay Rays, who have not only been in existence since 1998. Name the other. Is it A, the Philadelphia slash Kansas City slash Oakland Athletics, B, the Los Angeles slash Brooklyn Dodgers, C, the original Washington Senators slash Minnesota Twins, or D, the New York Mets? Okay. All right, question number four. Herman needed 99 pitches to complete his perfect game last night. Cleveland's Addy Joss threw just 74 pitches in his perfect game for Cleveland in 1908. Which pitcher needed the most pitches to record a major league perfect game? Was it Matt Cain, Randy Johnson, David Wells, or Mark Burley? Randy Johnson. All right. Yes. All right, Ed. We're wrapping you up with question five. On this day in 1990, there were two no hitters thrown, one in the American League and one in the National League. 
Name one of the two pitchers who threw no hitters on June 29th, 1990. There is a hint for you. Neither pitcher is in the National Baseball Hall of Fame, but one is a Cy Young Award winner, while the other one is a World Series MVP. I will tell you that one of them was a total badass-looking guy for the A's, and the other one rolled his eyes on every pitch. Louis Tiot? It's not a bad guess, man. Take one more guess. Ed. What about one that I think I could be wrong in this, but one of them was a total phenom when he entered into Major League Baseball and I think was Rookie of the Year and Cy Young in the same season. Fidrich for uh, Detroit? Man, that's a hell of a guess. The bird, man. Mark Fidrich, it's a hell of a guess. Yes, Um all right, let's see how we did here. All right, Ed. Started off hot uh, on this day, 1994. <laughs> Purdue's Glenn Big Dog Robinson was indeed selected by the Milwaukee Bucks. And by the way, that same draft was when Damon Bailey was drafted by the Pacers, and then they took uh, some dude from Canada also. Uh, that, If I'm not mistaken, that draft was at the Dome here in Indianapolis. I'm 99% certain of that. Uh, question number two, the Chicago White Sox, the correct answer. The Cincinnati Red Stockings or Red Legs and the Chicago White Sox. Uh, the Dodgers for question number three, Matt Kane for question number four, and for question number five, Dave Stewart of the Oakland Athletics against Toronto and Fernando Valenzuela of the Dodgers against St. Louis. If I'm not mistaken, Fernando Valenzuela threw a second no-hitter for the Padres. Am I wrong in that, or am I thinking of Hideo Nomo or Angels? Yeah, I, I thought he threw a second one. Ed, but thanks for playing. I don't think people remember how big Fernando Mania was, man. When he entered the league, it was like something you'd never seen before. I mean, people loved Fernando Valenzuela. He's kind of like the Jeremy Lin of baseball for a little bit. That's a, that's that a, brief like run in history where yeah. he was the thing. I mean, I remember uh, Pat Wanzer, 1981, Allisonville Little League. I traded my post-game concession stand ticket to Pat Wanzer for Fernando Valenzuela rookie card. I wonder what that rookie card's worth right now. Do you want to guess? I'll look it up, and then we'll, I'll let you know on the other side. What's your guess? Fernando Valenzuela rookie card. It's now worth what? Mark Dykeman, what's your guess? I'll say $98. I'll say $2.80. Sam Fritz, you got a guess? Uh, $8.20. $8.20. All right. Well, I'll let you I know I don't know. Baseball cards are picking up again, so are we'll they? see. Yeah. Well, I got a bunch of them at home. We'll see. I'll let you know on the other side. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. I thought this was power of love for a second. I'd argue it's even better. You know, there are a couple of songs that, and I can't do it with a song playing, but obviously, you know, about Ray Parker Jr. and Huey Lewis and the lawsuit there. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, Under Pressure and, you know, with David Bowie and then Vanilla Ice. There are a couple of other songs that I hear the beginning of it. I'm like, well, wait a minute. That, that's a very clear ripoff of, and I, I can't think of what they are now. I've sent them to JMV before. I'm like, you ever notice that the beginning of this song sounds just like the beginning of, you know, mm -hmm. of another song? Uh, Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi sounds exactly like there's a White Snake song. It sounds, 
uh, is this love? They have like the exact same intro. What well, was like uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers got in some hot water because they had Danny California and the intro sounded very similar to uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Well, the band I'm going to see tonight, or not the band, but the lead singer Noel Gallagher, Oasis has been accused of that forever. Um, sampling is is what if it's if the other band knows about it, you're sampling it, right? I guess the the trick becomes if they're not aware of it. Yeah, you're stealing a riff. Yeah, exactly. Um, baseball cards. Were you a card collector, Mark? I was not really. I was mostly in Pogs back in the day. It was the 90s, so Pogs was big, and then the Pokemon craze for a little bit was going on, and then, uh, and of course, Beanie Babies. Who didn't have a Beanie Baby growing back, growing up in the mid 90s? But uh, baseball cards, I did have a couple of them, but it was one of those things where it's like you never really kept good care of them. Right. Like, oh, this is never going to be worth anything and stuff. So I probably had some decent things and. You know, just let them put them Did in my ever, bicycle spokes or something. I was going like to say that's a big thing, right? You put them in the bike spokes. That's always the the age old story, right? The guy's like, I had a Mickey Mantle rookie, and I put it in my bike spokes, and or, yeah. mom threw out all my baseball cards. Uh, so I was a huge card collector in probably starting around second grade is when I really started collecting them, and then. You know, through I don't, probably around sixth or seventh grade is when you kind of outgrow it. But one of the really fun things for me as a kid, and and I just don't think they do this anymore. It's a different world, obviously now with the internet and eBay. And but Scotty probably remembers these days. The if you're driving on seventy and you're going east on I seventy, just before you get to four sixty five, is the Shadeland exit on I-70 eastbound and just to the right there there's an interstate battery store like if you're driving on the interstate and you look to your right kind of down below the interstate there's an interstate battery store that was that was the location of Boogie Mountain which most people listening if they if they grew up here you know in that era remember Boogie Mountain big time it, it, this was completely asinine. It was a water slide park with cement water slides. Ow. Now, yeah, that I. The, but the paint was like, when the paint got wet, it made it slick. Now, you're supposed to have like a the little mat, but that didn't always work out that way. But it was awesome, Boogie Mountain. But right next to it was... Sounds like a lawsuit waiting to happen. Well, I think that's why Boogie Mountain's no longer there, and it's an interstate battery store. My back got torn to shreds on this <laughs> I, cement we, slide. We're figuring out now why it's like an auto zone. So there's a hotel right there. I think it's now a Marat. But for a long time, I, I don't remember if it was a Sheraton or a Holiday Inn. It had a Damon's barbecue place in the basement or in the ground floor of it. But they would that was where they would always have baseball card shows. Mm-hmm. So that was the big thing was myself, Matt Churchman, Jason Keller – We'd, we'd get our baseball card book, and we'd go out. Scotty, did you ever do the baseball card thing? Limited, but not. You'd go to the baseball card show, and you'd find other kids. You uh-huh. know, I, I remember my thing was my favorite player was Joe Morgan. And so my goal was to get every Joe Morgan card that, you know, every year of his career, whether it be the Colt 45s or the Astros or the Reds, I wanted to have every card made of Joe Morgan. And so, you know, I remember trading. You know, you would trade cards. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, hey, listen, I've got an extra Ricky Henderson rookie, but you've got there a, a an eighth-year Joe Morgan card. I'll trade you the Henderson rookie. And you're bartering back and forth. And, I mean, it was serious business, man. And then Matt Churchman's brother – well, no, Jason Keller's brother wanted to get rid of his collection, so we had a draft. Ooh. 
his mother determined like, no, you, you guys are going to have a draft. And like each page I could pick like his Jason, because it was his brother's cards. Jason was allowed to protect certain cards. Mm-hmm. So he does have a sleeve and he's like, I've protected these four cards. And then I could pick. These are lottery cards. protected. Correct. Cannot get these. Correct. But I, but it was so much fun. And back then, I would get the Beckett's booklet of baseball card values. And I remember my dad saying to me, I said, Dad, I've got a Ricky Henderson rookie. It's worth $20. I've got a Tony Gwynn rookie. It's worth $32. My dad said, Jake, it's only worth what someone is willing to pay yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. But I held on to all of them. I sent a Wade Boggs rookie to Wade Boggs to get signed. Never saw it again. That was not a smart move. Oh, boy. Um, Wade's like, I'm going to sit on this one. Right. So then I got smart, and I figured out, wait a minute, because to to, to get players to sign your card, you would send them a self-addressed stamped envelope so they could sign it and send it back. Uh And my godparents, John and Liz Brown, they had family in Toronto, and they would go once a year to Canada to visit. So I asked them to bring me back Canadian postage. Because it dawned on me, if I'm sending a self-addressed stamped envelope to Canada, it doesn't do any good because the U.S. postage would not be honored in Canada. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, all these dumb kids are doing that. They'll sign for somebody who sends actual Canadian postage because how many of those do they have to do? And so I sent to the Blue Jays, and that's why as a kid I became, along with the Reds, I was a huge Blue Jays fan in my childhood because – Tony Fernandez and Jesse Barfield and George Bell and Lloyd Mosby, they all sent cards back to me because I had the Canadian postage on there. Look at you thinking of things. Brilliant. Um, and then I started collecting autograph cards, like cards that were autographed. But I still have I have an entire booklet of basketball cards, which includes a Larry Bird rookie. And I have an entire booklet of baseball cards. But the problem, Mark, is everybody was collecting them. And – going to those shows that I was talking about and whatever else, and people held on to them. So the value of them decreased because there, there was no commodity in them. I mean, everybody had a Fernando Valenzuela rookie card, which is why now today it is worth $9.99. I was close. I said $98. So I just had to move to some place. Somebody said, did you say 8 bucks? I said $8.20. Price mm-hmm. is right rules. I'm on the stage right now. Yeah, you are. That's correct. Well, Drew yeah, Carey, yeah. though, not Bob Barker. Drew Carey has zero energy doing that. Have you noticed that? Is, why is he good. bored doing that show? I don't know. I got to imagine after the first year, you're like, I've done all the games. You, you mean That's I signed true. up to do this for a decade? If, oh, you, if you went on Price is Right and they said you get to play one game, you, you go out there and you get to pick the game. What are you picking? Oh, uh, Plinko. There's, easy. That's the most common answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've asked me before. Yeah, Plinko is the same it's answer. It's got to be Cliffhanger, man. I know you like the yodeling. That's that's oh, the, lady, oh, yeah. lady, oh, the one lady, I think I'd, oh. I'd actually have the best chance by actually looking at it is they do one. I think it's called over under. They give you a price. You just predict if the price was over Correct. or under. Okay. I think that's one I could look at and probably actually stand a chance to win. What game? I wonder what game on Price is Right has the least winning percentage. I would think it's the one where the they have the a, like the wall of prices. And the little green thing slides, and you have to stop it. And if the price is underneath where the where the green thing stopped, you win. It's just a, such a huge. It's been a while since scale. I watched Prices Right, so I'm sure they have newer games and stuff that I'm not familiar I with. I don't think like the dice you. game always stunk too. I felt like if you got the dice game, you kind of got. I was never shaft. a fan of the putting game. I know Kevin likes that. I'm like, eh, come on. As far as the one that as when you, if if winning is defined by the grand prize. When they do car week, it's got to be the one where they give you the numbers for the value of a car 
and you have to match it up exactly in order to win it. You have to right. get the exact real tier. By writing price. it down, you go to the next one, next right. one. Th- there's no way that somebody manages. I was always fascinated by California emissions when I was a kid. I'm like, what is California emissions? They all have California emissions. And if you go back and look at like the 80s, I mean, people are winning like Chevrolet Chevettes. I mean, they're winning the equivalent today of like if you were to win, I don't know what, I don't want to disparage any car, but you know, just the least expensive car mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, would be, but still, I, you know, you win it, whatever. You, you'd have to sell it and so you can pay the taxes. You take yeah, the I, I, I was just like, oh, that looks fun to win a car, but probably all the now. If you're on vacation in California, like I gotta get that back to my house. How's that happening? There's another game show that I watch called America Says. As a matter of fact, America Says it's it's kind of like Family Feud, but one of the questions on it was what name shows that educate and entertain that was one of the and i'm like i was oh. wondering what that show was you sent yeah. me that clip and i'm like what what like so public access but on show the show is america says the grand prize for it is fifteen thousand dollars and at the end it's a team of four so it'd be literally like if the three like the four of us right here scotty sam you and i went and they win fifteen thousand dollars and people lose their mind because they and i'm like listen i'm not here to look a gift horse in the mouth but you're winning fifteen grand. You take the so divided by four. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at thirty-seven fifty per person. That's before taxes. Yeah. So you're you're walking out of there with like twenty-eight hundred bucks. I mean, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. But people act like it's going to change their life. Like, it's what, not what millionaire. You're not. You're not now. Addition to that, fifty thousand dollar pyramid. One of my favorite shows ever. Used to be that if you were on fifty thousand dollar pyramid, you won ten thousand dollars if you did won the first pyramid. And then if you were able to come back and do the second one, I think it was 25000 Now, and then you, you were eligible to admit, to eventually get into the grand prize tournament, of which the grand prize was $100,000. Now, every single episode is 50000 and hundred grand, and they're ridiculously easy. Like, back then, it was kind of challenging. Now, the subject will be like, you know, gas stations. People like Shell, Marathon. Gas stations, ding. What? Way too easy. Yeah. People are winning this thing all the time. The level it, of difficulty has been reduced, you're saying. It angers me. It <laughs> angers me because it used to mean something. It meant something in this country to win a game show. Now we're just giving stuff away. Like Oprah ruined game shows just by her own show of like, you showed up, here's a car. That like sounds pr- like 50-year-old rant, like a guy complaining about game show <laughs> It's the participation trophy era, and I it drives me nuts. If it's, you could participate in one game show, what would it be? You get your pick. Probably now America says because I think it's fun, and Paul the Mailman told me he likes it too, so we could form our own team. Um, Give me supermarket but, sweep. Oh, yeah. Canned ham. Mm-hmm. Got to load up on the canned ham, yeah. right? I, I'd like to go card sharks because I think the the, the, the new version of card sharks is still on. I think I could really, really Now, here's the thing, that Sam, that sucked about card sharks. If you watch the original card sharks. Which I did. So they asked the question. We asked 100 people. What age were you when you first got in a car accident? And the person's, you know, all, all the person needs to say is, you know what, I, I'm going to guess that the average answer there is 23. But every one of these people gets on there and they sit there and they go through this long diatribe and explanation to justify their guess. Shoot me a guess and move on. Well, th- certainly there's a producer behind the camera going, 
Just spinning the wheels. Come on. You mean like like we are right now? We have to do an hour show of just flipping cards over. You got to say words. <laughs> All right. Now, is there was there any bigger buzzkill on card sharks when they'd flip it over and the person gets a seven? You're like, oh no, man. But like somebody gets on a roll and there's like four straight tens and a jack, and you're like, man, we are getting somewhere now. Yeah. Now, press your luck would be up there too, right? Uh, give me. This is the '90s kid coming out of me. Give me Nickelodeon arcade. Okay. Wait. How about how about how, listen. 1985, I was too old to even have done so, admittedly. But in 1985, I went with two other guys to Washington Square for tryouts for Double Dare. I, I was too old. You had to be, I think it was 12 and under, and I was already, I, I was under 12. And I was 12, but my two buddies were 11. So they went to try out, and I watched, and two kids got picked to be on Double Dare. And we're like, and I think like we got their phone number. Like, you got to let us know when you're actually going to be on Double Dare. And I don't think they ever were. Now, Scotty, did you go to school with Mark Summers? Is he older than you? I saw Mark Summers. We went to a taping of What Would You Do when we went to family vacation there. And you can see us. And the camera was on all three of me and my two brothers. But my two brothers were grumpy and crying. So I was like, come on. So show some enthusiasm. But what, that scene got cut. What would you do? You mean like the John Quinone show? No, it was what would you do with Mark Summers? And it was just like oh, a, really? kind of like a silly show on Nickelodeon and stuff. It wasn't Double Dare, but it was like a, the spin, a spinoff of it. I just remember Mark Summers wore white leather Reeboks with the red and blue stripe on them, and he always wore jeans with a tie, which I found like fascinating. Mark Summers rules. I mean, he was cool. Double Dare was great, man. Like the... You know, I mean, the and did you ever watch You Can't Do That on television? Oh, of course. I mean, I, I think Double Dare was just they had a surplus of slime yeah. left over from You Can't Do That on television. The thing that drove me nuts about You Can't Do That on television is if you said the word, what was it? Is it I don't know. Is that what yeah. you said and you got slimed? Mm -hmm. It made me so mad. I was always like, if you get slimed, all you got to do is say water and the water pours down and you just say water immediately and get the slime off of you. That's not how the show works. But why wouldn't they do it that way? It was perfectly plausible and it made perfect sense. No, you want to you want to educate and entertain the kids. You don't want. Them I'd like to, to get Alistair on the show. Can we get Alistair or Moose to join the program? I'm sure we can. What are they doing these days? I don't know. What are we doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't either. But we're doing it again tomorrow at seven o'clock. You guys have a great day. Uh, we'll see if everything goes underway tonight between the concerts and the baseball. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Have a wonderful Thursday.